you had to choose a slow searing ride on Satan's carousel or watching helplessly by as your best friend got it on with your lover, what choice would you make? I'm Todd McFarland, creator of Spawn. A crude scenario I've just painted? Possibly. But hell isn't subtle, folks. I've been thinking about calling like Mex Flintalo listeners like MFers. Right. <laughs> Although I think Mark Marin could sue and he would have, you know. Why? I, he's he, His listeners he, are the. Oh, they're the, the, w, they're the. The what the they're, fuckers. My bad. My yeah, bad. Yeah, they're the what the fuckers. We're the, we're the MFers. Okay, yeah, the MFers. Yeah. And so, and so uh, I was thinking that maybe uh, readers of the Nib could do something like that as well. What was uh, it going to be again? Uh oh. It. <laughs> Don't that's, even. Yeah, that's exactly what what I was thinking. With a hard R or yeah. I was. Th- I mean, the thing is, if it's two Bs, I, like it would. <laughs> it would probably be like hard R because you know you do uh, you do the nib. You people know, work on the nib. You know what? I've actually had people. Um, write in emails or or maybe come up at a con or something where they'll they'll say that they'll be like yo i'm a i'm like a, a real <laughs> i'm just like i'm not even gonna say it i'm just like yo i don't i would think... be annoyed i'd be like don't do that not like the mfers the mfers would never do that they have too much respect for us and for the brand i think anytime anyone said it it's like they'll be like oh like after it comes out of their mouth they'll be like oh that, that they, that's when they right. would realize it <laughs> i think so <laughs> oh wow all right, so I'll start the show. Yeah, yeah, we, we can we can do this. Nobody has said anything that untoward yeah. so far. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Mex Flentayo, number 14. It is me, as always, the true outlaw of comics, Mr. Old School, a standard bear for all future generations, Ramon Villalobos. And as with, with me, as always, uh, El Biscote. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I've I've actually made peace with with take him or leave him. Take him? What? <laughs> yeah. No. I. Because you feel I like more people are taking him these days. Yeah. No. But I, I experienced ego death and nirvana. <laughs> I'm absolved of identity. I'm like water. I fit any shape. I become like what you take or what you leave. I'm just a reflection of the audience. So like, they're like taking or leaving themselves. That's how you feel. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so anyways, here as always with LB Scott, take him or leave him, Daniel Irizarry. Mr. Bespoke, because he's well dressed. <laughs> like, are you, wait, are, are you purposefully saying biscotti or or did you really forget he's, the Because he's so sweet. We had the name it's of Mr. I'm so Biscotti. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Irizarry. El, bis- El Biscote de los Comics. Yeah. Bijote. Bichote? Bichote. 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 Mr. Bichote himself, Daniel Izarri. And with us this week 
Daniel did book this guest. Okay, here's what happened. Last week, Daniel did such a great job. Everybody loved the episode. He said, I got to book the next guest. And I said, all right. I mean, I guess since I didn't, everybody that I booked wanted to do next week. So I was like, I mean, I don't know. And we had a guy who has been wanting to come on this show. Long time. Really good filler. A stan, really. A filler. (laughs) Somebody who we would have never chose off the top of the pile. But he's around. Yeah, no, this is because Bernie Sanders bailed on us last Uh, minute. Bernie Sanders bailed. AOC bailed. uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene bailed. We thought we had her booked, and she fucking flaked on us. Matt Gates bailed. Just all the true revolutionaries going today. So we got, instead of one of our A-grade, top-tier guests... We've got <laughs> we've got a Pulitzer, a Pulitzer what finalist you said? Yeah, uh... Pulitzer finalist, Ignatz winner, Eisner winner, probably a Harvey Award winner. If there's an award for comics, journalism, editorial, cartooning, this guy's probably big, fucking big, big won dick it. having. Big dick having. But... We got on editor in chief, political cartoonist of the Nib, Matt Boers. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, I'm glad to be here with the with the two MFers. I appreciate the <laughs> lengthy introduction about how you didn't book me. <laughs> um, well, I, the thing is, no, like yeah, Daniel's guest, Daniel's batting a hundred right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I am um, too. We haven't had any bad guests, but I'm just like Daniel, like he's coming into his own on the show. I I, I put in so much work. Ramon was like, uh, "Yeah, our uh, my people bailed," and I'm like. Matt's been annoying me about Spawn <laughs> for like well, two, three weeks. Here's what happened. Uh, Matt's in our infamous group chat. And we when we started talking about doing a series of Image Comics number ones, he was immediately like, I got to do Spawn because I've got every issue of Spawn. And I was like, holy shit, that's sick. But I was like, I don't want to bug this dude because he seems really busy. He's like winning all these awards. He's drawing editorial cartoons. You know, Every you're, day, you're, winning you're, awards. You're out here killing it. So I'm <laughs> well, like, I, I don't know you close enough to be like, oh, do you want to do it last minute? I thought I would have to book you like a month to in advance. Well, you caught me at a good time. I mean, I I want to <laughs> I wanted to make space for this. Um, yeah. You know, uh, people who just follow me, my work or follow me online might not realize this about me. But, you know, I'm I love all comics. I'm a comics head going back to, I mean, image, which we'll talk about like foundational for me. I think we have a lot of, um, a lot of the stuff we all like has really, you know, a lot of overlap. And I mean, I still read the stuff to this day. I still read spawn actually to this day, which is Um, truly psychotic behavior. (laughs) Well, well, (laughs) how's the latest issue? You know, the last one I read was three eleven. Um, shout out Amber is the color of the energy. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's still going. That's that's what I'm gonna say. That's it's, what that's what that's what's important. It's and now there's there's all kinds of spawns though. The th- the new thing is after Todd doing all these um, you know different kind of spawns, gunslinger spawn and all 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 the toys samurai and spawn, they, cyborg spawn. Yeah, they never really actually made it into the comics that much. They're, oh really? There's yeah they've they've gone back and like gunslinger spawn was in there and. These other guys. Medieval now, Spawn was there. He had to be there. Well, Medieval Spawn was, um, you know, infamously in that lawsuit. But then Medieval Spawn's back too. Um, we, you know, we're getting way ahead. I'll have to try. <laughs> to, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'll Sorry, try, I asked. I'll try to um, give like the 
the Wikipedia on um, on Spawn for everybody to sort of catch them <laughs> up. But you know, it's uh, it, it's a book I've been reading since I was, I guess, it came out in 1992, so I would have been eight. Right. And I loved it. I mean, eight years old, and you're and you're reading like violator ripping hearts out and just like all this gore i mean it was it was it was deeply inspirational so that's something that actually like really got me the other day because i i i'm like you i'm 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 detached from comics completely i don't read anything but i i see previews for things all the time and i see all this like uh young adult content and i'm always like if i was a young adult if i was a child that's the opposite of what i would want to read I would want to read like the shit that you're talking about: spikes, chains, knives, guns, cool shit, flames, skulls. Like that's all that I liked when I was a kid. I was demented, but that was the shit that like really got me going. And like yeah. now I see stuff, and it's very like friendly, soft. Like that, the edges have been sanded down so much that like it it makes me wonder like it's all is it like just like cultural manufactured descent? And like that's nothing. You know what I mean? Like is it something? That is like people think kids should be kinder, and so then they get rid of that kind of stuff. Or like, what what what's your opinion on that? Because I feel like yeah, I'm always know, I'm always like wavering. Like, well, maybe it's good that kids aren't like growing up just like you know full sicko mode. Yeah, well, I got I got two kids. The oldest right. one's three, and we started reading uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Which she loved. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm like, when is uh... you dropped Spawn three eleven on his lap? <laughs> <laughs> you told him you're Spawn dead. You told him you you have to read this comic. <laughs> you, until then, you won't get in this household. Knowledge. In this household, we read Spawn. Yeah. yeah. No, you but... just you put a Spawn comic in front of him and you said you will not eat until you read this book. Once I'm... you're eighteen, you can get YA lit. <laughs> I, I'm glad that there's I, I guess I'm glad that there's all these comics being created for kids and young adults and everything yeah. um, but but I kind of agree where you know when you're a preteen or a teenager I mean you want to read you want to read stuff for adults at least I did you know but yeah. like like the early image comics in Spawn right is this is this adult is this adult reading I mean just by the by the violence maybe but it's the storyline is I mean, it's not yeah, that it's, it's it, mentally it's, teenaged. Yeah. These guys, all the image guys, basically <laughs> what they did was they were getting sick of Marvel. Um, they were making a ton of money, but they needed they were they took over all the books that they were writing. They basically kicked the writers off. They were just like, I'm just going to draw whatever I want. And then you, <laughs> you write captions over it. And then yeah. and then they couldn't even, you know, they couldn't even live like that they got i mean to their credit you know they started something really good with the with creative rights and but what they did was kind of they were all like hey we all drew characters in our notebooks when we were 13 i drew, i made up spawn like they i mean todd literally made up spawn when he was like 12 you know eric larson had i think savage dragon in a notebook from when he was like 11 they were just like let's make these characters that we made up as kids and then draw them for the rest of our lives and they did and they revised none of the scripts <laughs> so you know to the extent that it's uh it's young adult stuff i mean they these guys were in their 20s and they weren't trying to do some high-minded literary comics i mean they were writing stuff for for us they were writing stuff for 12 year old boys yeah no like the things that they were making i, I wasn't 12 i would think i think when spawn would have came out i would have been like fuck what it came out in 92 yeah 92 or 93 92 i'm looking at the 
number one been, issue right now, May of ninety two. First, printing. I would have been five, you know, but I was I was into like X Men and stuff at that point because of the cartoons. Yeah, Matt was already like a grown up back then. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> Matt a, Matt how, how old were you? Like thirty. Uh, no, I'm not. You're you're a few years older than us, but it's like you know the the difference is marginal now that yeah. we're adults. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like so by the time, like by that point, I was playing Mortal Kombat, and that's the same aesthetics. That's the same violence. The same, just sort of like same amount of heart skulls. ripping, spine ripping oh, yeah. skulls. Like it's the same shit. But and that was like that was the cultural sort of just oxygen around us that's what oh, yeah. we were all breathing in and i was mm-hmm. you know my dad i was watching movies with my dad i was watching everything that came out on vhs i was seeing it the year it came out you know aliens predator yeah. i was like i was like six <laughs> yeah i i i didn't read spawn but i know i drew the fuck out of him like i was drawing that design uh like over and over on paper like especially the one with like uh the chunky leg oh like, the yeah, yeah like the, the greg capullo era that that yeah is, that design had, had like one amazing. stump yeah so like when i so i got into todd mcfarlane because like i said i was into metal i was into just violence and like fucking just being just edgy just being Porn cool and edgy you know like who wasn't but um, <laughs> I, I, me and my boys, we, we would always like hop into different things. And I loved comics, just like the idea of them. I think we've talked about it on the show before, but like, I would just sort of, uh, we, I, I would be obsessed with looking at like old comics or like comics on the stands when me and my friends would go to comic shops and they'd be buying like Pokemon cards, you know, I'm like, I don't have money mm-hmm. for all that, but I'll get an issue of Nightwing. And I remember for like a glorious month, I convinced my friends that comics were the thing that we should be into. And we would like ride around town and we found this guy who had, like we would go to garage sales looking for comics and stuff like that. And we found this guy who had like helped a comic shop move and the guy gave him all of his back issues. So the guy was like, you know, oh, here's like a, you guys could look through my garage of like these fucking long boxes full of comics and I got like Green Goblin or whatever. So because we were all into like, the Green Goblin I got was like the sick, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Scott McDaniel. I was like the mm. seventh seventh grade. It was it was so tight. So we're all into like just being into metal. Like I love Corn. I love you know Slipknot at that point, Metallica, and uh, my buddy Jeff. His grandpa heard that he was into comics, and his grandpa was like he loved comics. So his grandpa gave him a box of comics, like of Teen Titans, like, all bunch of stuff from the 80s. And randomly in there, like, he called us up. He's like, come check out this this box of comics. So we go over, and there's randomly an issue of Spider-Man. It's, like, number seven that Todd McFarlane wrote and drew. And it was Spider-Man with the Hobgoblin and Ghost Rider. It's the most Spawn thing he had drawn before <laughs> Spawn. And I, I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So I'm like, yo, Jeff, can I borrow this? And he's like, yeah, go ahead, man. He never saw that fucking comic again. I thought (laughs) in my head, I'm like, you know what? If he asks me for this comic, I'll give it back to him. But if he doesn't remember, he lent it to me. He doesn't deserve it. And like the most Todd McFarlane thing to do is to steal your friend's copy of their comic. He would respect that decision. Todd would Todd would love that, you know. Someone paid for it, but you know, like it's just the, that's the attitude of the Todd McFarlane reader is like, I'll just steal it from my friend. Speaking of which, um, <laughs> uh, that's the that's the that's more of actually the Terry Fitzgerald uh, 
Mm. <laughs> That's the Terry Fitzgerald uh, cucking strategy. Yeah. Um, but one thing, one thing that always stuck with me. So like after that, I just got into Spawn like completely like at a glance. Like I didn't buy every comic, but I would buy like random ones. Or like if we got at a, if we were at a garage sale and they had a random issue with Spawn, grab that instantly. That shit was mine. Um, so I loved that motherfucking character from when I was a child, but like, you know, I never read the early ones until I was in high school. And then I would like take the bus to downtown Stockton and like read spawn origin trade paperbacks and just be like, Oh, this is spawn. Like I, (laughs) I wasn't that hyped on it at once, once I read it. But, uh, I don't think I was ready for it as a child or as like a high schooler, you know? Cause by that point, my mind has already been like completely destroyed what what uh daniel you have any sort of like history with spawn at all or i i just remember that the the movie was like one of the first movies like my family ever pay-per-viewed like (laughs) like like calling and ordering like that kind of like process on like those old like i don't know if it was like dish yeah something like that but it was it was a it was a monumental event in my life that movie um, <laughs> yeah, and... me too. I love that shit. That was so tight. And Corn was on the soundtrack. John Leguizamo was in it. Latino John Leguizamo was a big Puerto Ricano. <laughs> yeah, it was representation. The worst kind of representation <laughs> because man did like John Leguizamo was at the peak during when that movie came out. He was doing like The Pest, like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> he was he was in a he was in a in a in a bunch of things and and he just decides to do clown or, or the violator i i have a uh an art of todd mcfarland book of course and i was yeah is that uh, the devil's in the details i think so yeah i was flipping through it and in preparation for the show doing some real deep diving and it has some concept art from the spawn movie in it which is not done by todd mcfarland oh uh, really but yeah you know it's just done by um i don't know who movie guys guys that do it professionally so yeah that's fascinating like well he says mm -hmm. they're trying to adapt um you know i think he says outright if you do some things on screen just from comics that uh straightforward it'll 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 look silly like a guy in tights so you know they made the suit kind of uh have all this texture and like intricate designs on it but then and i thought the they adapted violator well but like with john with Clown and Leguizamo, I mean, they really just needed to make him a fat guy, you know, <laughs> weird, but 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 normal height, right? Like the, they couldn't just get Danny DeVito. I on just it. think that the the short, like making him a weird short guy, is just it's so bizarre that it doesn't tr- translate to. In the movie, well. he's like squatting the whole time. Yeah, like they 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 didn't even have him like on his knees. They just had him like, nope, you're gonna have to like be like a frog the whole time. It's. You know, the uh, the thing about Spawn is that it actually has uh, so much weirdness in it. Like, it's it's actually a kind of a bizarre book, especially the first 12 issues or so, because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, like, one-and-done issues, and there's uh, all the writing from Dave Sim and Frank Miller and uh, who else, Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman. I mean, they were just, he was just making up crazy shit, like, whatever, whatever was on the top of his head. It, yeah. Well, uh, so we can get into it first, but uh, one thing I do find funny is, like, the other reason why I was big into McFarlane was because he had the toys 
like mm. the famous Bond toys, but also like he was the he did the cover. Or he didn't do the cover of Corn, uh, Follow the Leader. He did the the video for Follow the Leader for Freak on a Leash, and okay. that shit w- like he would be in like MTV News, like and here we are with Todd McFarlane on the set of Freak of the <laughs> Freak on a Leash, <laughs> and, he, and you know he's talking about like how great Corn is, and I you know I just you know the, everything about it was like just sort of my shit you know what i mean like all the mcfarlane that there's a have you ever read eisner miller no what's that eisner miller is a book that they put out in like the 2000s and basically uh, earlier on eisner had a bunch of these like short interviews that he did with um just like different creators like jack kirby and, and uh you know joe cooper and just like all the guys from like his era and there's a book that he did called Shop Talk, which is like like a podcast basically, but like you know chapter long interviews that he recorded and then he transcribed. They're very very good. And then later he did one with just Frank Miller, and it's Damn. just these two dudes talking for like a full book about just anything. Like there's a full chapter where they just shit on Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now now I'm into it. I gotta I gotta. They're look just that up. yeah. The whole thing is what a bitch he is, and like how <laughs> how they don't respect him. And in the middle of that, they're talking about what they do respect about him is that he's just a dude who understood his reader in like the '60s. Like he's a guy who just fundamentally understood what that what that audience wanted. And they say that McFarlane was also that guy. Like he also did that. He's the only other guy other than Stan Lee that they point out that like fully understood like the holistic sort of like approach that their listener uh, that their reader was 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 about and uh i i took a i wrote down what it was so i could read it on the show because it just i i read this in like 2005 and i've remembered it ever since miller says todd mcfarlane has that visceral connection to the reader eisner says he does he's writing to his own people miller says it's the best way i can describe it the best way I can describe it is there's a moment when you're 14 years old and you take your pen knife out and you carve a swastika on your desk at school. Todd McFarlane owns that mind. <laughs> oh my and, God. And Anne Eisner, Will Eisner's wife, she goes, God, what a description. But even I can see that. <laughs> oh my God. Like, like they're like the dude that Todd McFarlane wants is just the kid who's in class, you know, in the back, like, in the back of uh, agricultural science, like I was, carving into a desk a swastika, like a thing that he doesn't understand, it doesn't get the, the power behind. Yeah. But, like, no, that understands is... that it's edgy and cool and badass. No, that's, and that's it's, totally true. Um, it's totally true. That... And, you know, there, I think there's some, real, there's some real value to that, especially because what the content that he gives that person, like, he understands what they want to see. But, like, the the messages that he gives them are what's worth examining. So that's why we're going to talk about spot number one today. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I reread it about an hour ago. It's probably yeah. the first time I've reread spot number one in, I mean, I don't know, years. Well, well over a decade, I think. But, you know, it's still, it's still with me. I got, like, every panel is, is seared into my, seared into my brain. I... I reread it like three times and the first on the first read I was like okay wait like we're going to have to do more than one issue because this first one doesn't have enough content in it. I don't even <laughs> I was like well maybe we could just talk about all the other weird Todd stuff. But I was like whatever like it's it's fine. Then I read it again and I was like actually 
pretty good. And then I read it a third time to take my notes because for this series we only want to we want to specify that we are covering the first issue of this book because they sold the most. <laughs> yeah, because this is, this is the one that everybody can read because you could just find it anywhere. Like they're just bird liners at this point. This is the one that started the phenomenon. Yeah. So how many we copies wanted... did this sell? Like two hundred and fifty million or something? Uh, I don't know about two hundred fifty no, million. I, I think it was like that. two million. I think it was like one point nine million. Is um, it? What's the best selling comic book of all time? Is it like X Men number one with Claremont and Lee, or is it is Spawn? Yeah, it's X Men number one, Claremont and Lee. Spawn's got to be in the top five or ten, right? I'd be interested to find out. I don't. I don't know the. I don't know the full thing of that. Yeah, but, um, yeah we're not. We're not a numbers. We're not a numbers. <laughs> we're podcast. not like a. We don't really go into facts and and de- and. Uh, this, this is a place about feelings. Like it feels like yeah. a big number one. Feels it's like really... probably it sold a lot. <laughs> Let's say 250 million copies. Let's just be conservative and yeah. say it's this the in- is the third selling highest comic yeah. behind the you. It felt po- like 250 million when I was reading it. The entire <laughs> population of the United States bought this comic. So Twice. Weird. So I'm looking up, you know, this is just some random Wikipedia chart, but it says that Spawn has sold 150 million copies total. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a lot, but... Wait, is it all three hundred issues or all three hundred eleven issues? Yeah, yeah, all, all all combined, all all told. It's nice that you can like if you keep publishing like up to three hundred issues, like that number <laughs> will eventually seem yeah. impressive. <laughs> well, you know the numbers. I think the numbers are back up because I check comic sales numbers periodically just because I'm I'm curious about the industry. So you yeah. know, like like a good book now, it, it's hard to break a hundred thousand a month. I mean, event books and a big name book will do that, but most aren't doing that at all and a keanu reeves like kind of book that might but yeah other than that but short of that but spawn is back after like the push to 300 and afterwards i think it's it's up there in like the top 50 again for the first time in a a while i think and it might might be selling i feel like i saw the number thirty thousand, which is high for spawn i mean i know that during um the darker days we can talk about later which is the five years of white of white spawn uh it was <laughs> oh, it was it was re- the sales were were real low i um so that's that's one thing i want to talk about though because one of the reasons i wanted to talk about this issue specifically was a while back i remember i read a i i'm i'm a known fan of blogs um i love blogs i love reading about comics and stuff and i read one that was like we're gonna talk about spawn number one i was like oh fantastic I love Spot. This is before we did the show. And I talked about it on like a different episode earlier. And I was like, oh, this is incredible. Like, I've been wanting to reread the image number ones and stuff. Because I was like deep into Wildcat, Cyberforce, and shit like that. And I read it, and it was nothing but about Todd McFarlane. Like, the guy. And it had nothing to do with the comic. It had nothing to do with... Like, it had everything to do with like his business acumen. And, like, the creator's right shit, which, you know, he's good on. They fell for the um, easy bait. Well, it's... it's They're buying into Todd's narrative that he's been trying to push since, like, 1994. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, like, if Todd could have it his way, the conversation would be about what a business genius he is and everything else is just, like, superfluous to that. Like, his, uh... I, 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 I... 
there's one of my favorite interviews that he did where he says he's bilingual because he speaks uh, business as a second language that he did with a dude that I know called uh, Noah Callahan Beaver on this po- on this thing that he does called the Blueprint or well, did. What's his other language then? English. I mean, <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> but but to your point, like all the interviews I've read or seen of him, I mean, he is talking relentlessly about the business yeah. and how to that's it. how to make <laughs> never book. seen him like, speak how, just english i mean he's like a he's kind of like a rise and grind guy he's just like this is how you do yeah. a monthly book like you got to pump it out i don't want to hear he's a gary v type yeah, that's he, the thing is like when when they took when they took over the industry they didn't realize they were putting in the hands of a young savage who's just like all about his grind and he he is proud that he never uh takes a piss break during a convention because he wants to sit at the table <laughs> nonstop, sign because it's like if I go to the bathroom I'll miss like 10 fans and those 10 fans will get the sign book and then they'll go by the next yep. thing and he's like all about putting in the work but he never talks he'll never talk about what he's trying to accomplish with Spawn or like the themes that he wants to emerge from this like 300 and 15 issue story that he's devoted his entire life to. I find it kind of like interesting as somebody who has read it all and is, you know, I like comics writing and drawing. I mean, I, I'd like to do comics writing and it's hard to understand how he mostly, he, he either plotted or wrote almost the entire series. This, this feels like, like, uh, like the longest running sort of like automatic writing you know, it, it, in comics, like it feel, it really feels like he's closing his eyes and channeling the 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 absurdity as it as it moves forward. One of the reasons I'm fascinated by it is because of his devotion to like creating this ongoing serialized story that yeah. ha- has no real. I mean, he it, it often doesn't even come out in like traditional arcs the way that almost every single comic on the stands does now. It's very much appears to be written issue to issue. And, you know, uh, he was obviously very into breaking uh, Dave Sims' record on 300 independent uh, issues published. (laughs) What a bitter record to break, too. Well, and, you know, I haven't read that much of Cerebus at all. And obviously Dave Sim is kind of nutso. And everybody says that, you know, the the last third of Cerebus just kind of becomes this complete mess with him ranting and raving about misogyny and everything else but he he obviously drew the whole thing minus the backgrounds but yeah so todd todd didn't do that um but <laughs> yeah i prefer i prefer dave sims early, earlier work in spider ham yeah todd, todd had his hand in the pot of the entire spawn like 300 things but like to your point he's never talked about themes he's never talked about uh anything but like the business of spawn which is so so interesting to me and so uh, it's going to be in the wrap-up like it's going to be part of like what i took away from this first issue but so like i i like you want to find interviews where he talked about like what is this book about other than yeah him being about his money and (laughs) i found an i found an interview well not really an interview so much as a motion hearing from (laughs) 2010 (laughs) where he said for me at its core it's simplest overview. It's a love story. The main concept of Spawn is that he literally trades everything for a moment of death to come back to see his wife one last time. I think most of us put in that position would probably do the same thing. I have a wife that I love dearly. The con- the wife in this comic is called Wanda, like the name of my wife. So I sort of draw from things in my own personal life. 
And then you take that piece of the story, which is I betrayed everything to come back to my own life. And you go, fine, sign the dotted line, which is the deal we make with the devil. And you come back and the world is topsy-turvy. And now what do you do? You find out that your wife, the only thing you come back for, and we'll get more into it. But, you know, yeah. he gets into, like, the emotional shit behind Spawn in a court deposition <laughs> where... <laughs> <laughs> he had to like prove he didn't steal everything they had to from pry the it out or of whatever. Him. Well, you know, yeah. I think it's it's a it's a situation where you know sometimes a a creator is not the person who you want to be talking about their own work. Like they are, it's coming from an intuitive and emotional place, and they're not they're not going to be the ones who can analyze their own work, right? But I I do have a a sort of theory about about spawn that built that builds off what you just said with his wife and and all that like that was definitely the core of, of i mean the... yeah just from reading number one like you can kind of like get sort of into the sort the neuroses that are going on like right. the, I, I in 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 the recent uh todd mcfarlane documentary that sci-fi put out like he, he talks a little like he talks a little bit about that first issue as like yeah that book is just a long-winded metaphor to everything going on in my life yeah and well, that, yes that's what i was going to say is that you know beyond the beyond being a wife guy which he he is he loves his wife and kids and when his kid was born was uh, his kid cyan i think who, yeah. and his wife is wanda and then you know kind of very awkwardly terry fitzgerald who in the comics um, you know, his Spawn's friend who Wanda goes and marries five years after his death is uh, Todd's real life friend who is at the time like the president of Todd McFarlane Productions for the longest time. So right. very strange. <laughs> I've been, you know, I I've, think I've been... it was just I think it was just throwing his throwing his family and his friends in the book and kind of yeah, not, not really thinking about the implications and, of but it. He's but he's also like making didn't... himself black. Didn't think about the implications. Well, he's not. He, Spawn's not called Todd McFarlane, but he did, he's definitely not thinking about the implications or the consequences because no. he. I read an interview where he talked about. I just like pe throwing people in. They get a kick out of it. Like it, he knows yeah. somebody, he'll put them in the comic. He did that to a hockey player. Uh, the main, the one of the main mob bosses of this book uh, was it Jack Twist? Um, Tony Twist, which is Tony Twist, had to be had to be. That's another lawsuit that he lost because yes. Tony Twist is like a Canadian <laughs> hockey player or something. who was like felt yeah. he was being defamed by. Um, yeah, <laughs> he said it ruined his family image, uh, and like he was a bruiser. He was like an enforcer. He was a guy yeah. who just beat the shit out of people on the ice. So it was amazing that he was just like this guy is ruining my image. Yeah, <laughs> I can't go down the street without people thinking I'm a mob boss. This is a man, man probably like with with had multiple teeth blown out. Um, <laughs> he was literally a giant goon, and he was just like, "How could he do this to me?" <laughs> I'm gonna sue him. But you know, the thing I appreciate about it is that, like, you know, talking about what themes is he exploring and all that, is that you know, Todd is a completely unpretentious guy. Like he is. Yeah. He's 100 not. 100 percent genuine. He's not trying to do. You know, Cerebus was about themes and all, and ultimately some some bad ones. But he's like exploring politics and religion and how he hates women and stuff. And like Todd <laughs> is really just about, like, I mean, it's, it's the same mindset. Eric about getting that paper, dog. Getting that paper, you <laughs> but know. It, but Todd, Todd's also about loving women. Well, let me, you know. He's a simp. So I Let's went get, back and read. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get into it. But this man, this man created the biggest simp of all time, more more so than any Sin City character. 
We got a new simp in charge of comics. The new simp, number one simp of comics for sure. I I have I have to agree. So can I read from the back of Spawn number one because is this about the respect? Well, this is this is Spawning Ground, the the column in the back of Spawn, <laughs> and this is the inaugural okay. one from May of 1992. It's a big two page thing that Todd just writes. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Yeah, just yeah. read the whole two pages. No, he well, you know, he talks about his beef with Marvel and how they're founding Image and all this stuff, but then what i feel is uh the important part is you know he says he, uh am i being harsh on the big companies probably uh there were good times i could um to tell you the truth it would have been easier to stick with spider-man collect a big check fly to conventions and act like a big shot instead i'm turning my back on the sure thing for perhaps an unattainable goal my wife and i have a new daughter and i know that because i'm following my heart i will be a better husband and father no amount of money can buy me that also, I'd like to present a nice atmosphere that I work in to my daughter so that she isn't turned off by the whole comics process. Someday, I hope that she will be proud of me instead of thinking that I'm getting the shaft. Talking about getting the shaft from, like, Marvel. So, yeah. now is the time... I thought you meant from Youngblood. <laughs> so he says, now is the time for me to sink or swim. No one to blame but myself. The future has never excited me more. I can draw cool characters, monsters, silent issues, wordy issues... Um, as a matter of fact, no issues if I don't want to. And better than that, I don't have to answer to anyone. Sound egotistical? Yeah. Call it what you will. Doing what I want, when I want, where I want. I call it exciting as hell. And that's Todd. Like, that's that's it. Yeah. That's what I, can hear, I can hear it in his voice. Yeah. Also, like, I think he's grown more bitter over the years. Like, he, he, is, he is that guy. But it's interesting because I think in that one and in, like, a couple other things I, I read, because I read a decent amount of his interviews just trying – to get past the 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 money layers of, of this guy which you know it, like i don't want to say it rules because like we've talked about on the show before like we're he, they're in favor of creators rights not workers rights there's two different things mm, mm-hmm. but um the th- what i'm trying to like get when i'm trying to get through to it like he mentioned a few times that he would have loved to do a spawn spider-man crossover like that would have been like the big thrill to him is to like collab with, with that, like the way he did Batman and spawn with Frank Miller. Yeah. Like he wanted to do that. But, uh, I think just the resentment between Marvel and him grew to like so big, especially now with like the Angela shit. He that, seems, that's, yeah. he seems like, like that the shit. Guy. Sorry. I'm not trying to talk over you. Oh no, go ahead. Oh, he seems like the guy who's held on to, uh, held on to it the most. I mean, a lot of them, he didn't go back. He didn't go back. All those guys, half of them were back the next year for Heroes Reborn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, Jim Lee basically flipped his company back to uh, DC to get himself an executive. He shorted the stock. Get... <laughs> no, that's a true young savage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if man, if any MFers out there want some, some true image shit, you got to look up the oral history of Wildstorm. And it is... Some kickstarted book, some guy who is just, you know, as devoted to image comics as we are, took the time to interview everyone, everyone except Jim Lee and uh, some other prominent person, maybe Brandon Choi, or I forget. But Jim Lee didn't speak on it, but everyone else you know is in this book talking shit. And I mean, they're not talking shit on each other necessarily, but they're talking about how You're talking reckless what a crazy environment was they were li- they were all 23 living in houses making like you know fifty thousand dollars a month 
it, you know, getting a thousand dollars for an illustration of a trading card so that it could be yeah. a, a foil thing that sold to my dumbass, and I, it, it's just a, it's a, it's well, a crazy, it's a crazy history. That's all true, and the differences between those guys and Todd is like he would do he would do that kind of stuff, but he wouldn't buy a Lamborghini so that he could have a guy dressed like Bad Rock like wreck <laughs> into the side of a building. Yeah, he did in like five minutes. <laughs> he bought that. He didn't ass- do that. Like, he bought some baseballs and, like, you know, whatever, whatever. Like, that's, like, what he's known for, and I don't even care about that shit. Because that was, like, him just, like, hey, pay attention to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, read Spawn. Well, like, those, 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 that promotionally paid off, like, tenfold. Todd... Like, people still talk about how he overpaid for baseballs. I mean, Todd, Todd is a guy who... And I, I actually kind of appreciate uh, this about him, where... And, and this isn't me doing any deep psychoanalysis. This is just me repeating what he says in interviews all the time. He is motivated out of spite for haters. Yeah. If you if you, yeah. they told him that he couldn't do stuff on Spider-Man and he said, I'll write and draw the whole thing myself and have the best-selling comic, then, you know, they said you can't. After Spawn was gone for a while, they... You could tell he's the guy who's only an artist because, like, somebody in, like, the fucking fifth grade said he couldn't draw. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, well, it, and then there's a there's a Kanye Westian thing about the way he talks about himself. Oh yeah, yeah. He has a um, the whole the whole toy thing. I don't know how much of it is true, but he's basically the origin of the toy company. Is you know people telling him he can't do it, so he's like, okay, I'm gonna make the best toy company that's ever been made, and then I'm gonna revolutionize toys, and then people told him toys can't have details. Toys can't have like chains and and guns. <laughs> That like toys can't have like really big capes that are made of plastic. Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. Toys can't be sexy and twisted. Toys can't just have fucking babes like getting chained (laughs) to a fucking hook with their tits out and just like bound by by duct tape. Can't do that. He's wrong. Toys can't have really like fat bases, uh, (laughs) like graveyard. You can't just make Base a toy kits. of a statue of the members of Kiss. He said, wrong. I'll do it eight times. <laughs> Spawn, Spawn can't be manga. And then, you know, he 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 did the uh, broke the world record. And now what I love is on on each issue of Spawn that comes out, it says world record breaking comic because each new issue <laughs> breaks. <laughs> Such an absolute God tier move. Yeah. Um, Nobody could take away take it away from him. Start like, a three hundred issue run right now. Yeah, no Try one, it. no one can get. I mean, you, no one can hit the number. Eric Larson will get to three hundred issues uh, that he wrote and drew himself. Even going so far as to he he went back and redid one of the image crossover months where they all drew each other's books, so that he could say that he wrote and drew uh, three hundred consecutive issues. So he'll beat Dave Sim on like. You know the technicality of of being the sole artist but which is a huge thing i think but yeah. he will never get to the number that spawn is at i mean spawn will go until until todd's dead i mean and maybe <laughs> that record breaking is going on the tombstone <laughs> you know i i'm i'm actually curious about what will happen to spawn because todd is so um controlling of it that you know he very rarely relinquishes the writer reins um there's been yeah. he's done that over the years but like he has mostly written it obviously he doesn't draw it but like he's also so committed to it being like a successful brand that i just wonder if it if it will continue or if he will at some point actually actually stop it he doesn't drop but he famously has like kind of heavy hand in like 
how it's finished and presented. Like, he will go over and, like, re-ink things he doesn't like if he doesn't like it. Or, like, tell people to, like, no, that the cape ain't right. Fix that cape. <laughs> you know I, I, would, mean? Like, I would legitimately hate having that as a boss. I would no love offense. it. But, but, uh, let's get into the first issue. Yeah. While we're here. So, it starts off with a cover. Legendary with cover. The <laughs> most with... iconic cover it, like okay, Matt, you're 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 an image man uh, through and through. Is yeah. is your take similar to ours, where we think like this is tops? This is the cover that defines the image era. One hundred percent. I mean, this is the. It has to be. This is. I mean, like we were saying, this is one of the most popular comic books of all time. Like everybody had it. Um, it's the most iconic one because it's it's just him. There's not like eight yes. people on it, and also. It's got the it's got the Ken's DC colors, and there's a version of this drawing that doesn't have these colors on it. It's not painted over with the airbrush. It's just like his eyes are red, and the the like flame thing. I don't ever want to see that. It's orange and red, like it's like a flame, and it just doesn't. It's not it's not as good, you know. Like I believe like it. This shit rules so hard with like the double lighting and like mm-hmm. just like the old school airbrushing techniques that the dude that uh, Ken Stacy whipped out like it's it it, it fucking owns the, like the green underlighting on the hand is 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 top notch and I love that the uh the bat silhouettes have this is the thing that Todd did where stuff that was in the foreground that would be you know any artist would make black he turned yeah. into like a flat color that was lighter than what was behind it which has like a really interesting effect yeah it like it flattens it but it doesn't really matter because it's like you know it's, it's fucking spawned yeah. but yeah and i think i think the color is can cc like managed to like do something interesting with that like he's like yeah i guess i'm gonna like render it sort of it's gonna have a little bit of that top blue light like there's... yeah i mean he was mm-hmm. it's it's just extremely it's an extremely like romantic cover like it's just this man with a fucking crazy cape beautiful colors just like red purple that green like everything just kind of like just feels like like dracula and, not like and and props to todd like he, this is this is one in a line of in incredibly iconic covers from the man like yeah he he well, had like, it um what i was saying before daniel interrupted me uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. was was like the way like unlike the other ones where the characters are trying to look just as badass as possible. Like the sort of way he's like curling his hand and the wrist is like calling out. It's more like, you know, like Nosferatu or like, uh, my, my, my analogy for this character that we'll get into later is more like, he's like a Phantom of the Opera. There's like a, there's like a romantic yearning to this image that isn't in the other ones. Like even the Cape kind of makes like rose petals and it's, it's, you know, it's different. It's not like, it's not trying to be like, uh, I mean, obviously it is heavy metal, but it's not trying to be like, here's a gun, here's pouches, here's all this like combat shit. Yeah, this is like a romantic character at its core, like mm-hmm. Todd said. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and, and that's, a, that's actually like a really uh, appropriate word for the book in, in general. It's romantic. It's romantic. Yeah, Spawn yeah. stands out. Uh, amongst uh the their image books as uh, it's it's dark and gritty kind of like a lot of them and violent but it's it's there's it's supernatural horror and everything else is sort of a you know a facsimile of other characters like you know uh 
Shadow Hawk is Batman, except he breaks backs and is also black. And Wildcats is sort of, you know, is X-Men and all this other stuff. But Spawn doesn't have a direct analog. Yeah, well, Spawn's the only one that sounds like he could have, like, a Jim Steinman musical written about it. <laughs> but so first page, we see, we get the dedication to Jack Kirby, which is, I think, relevant because all these dudes were doing dedications to Jack Kirby. A, like, a good, good fuck you to Marvel from all of them. <laughs> right. It's like... It's funny to me because, like, I started this out by saying everybody compares Todd Moore probably favorably to Stan Lee because of just the the relationship he built with his reader. Yeah. Like, Stan Lee was in the trenches, like, literally at war. Todd McFarlane wasn't. He was a guy who just understood the aesthetics of what his audience wanted and and gave it to them. But the the Jack Kirby, that thing, I'm going to bring that up later. So we get, we open it up. And we see the Earth in space. We have the the legendary Todd McFarlane uh, vertical panel. This is like ultra vertical, ultra vertical, just what like uh, thin as shit, super tall, and a nine panel grid. <laughs> yeah, he like squished a nine panel grid to the side so he could get this one <laughs> vertical panel off. Well, what's amazing is you said Todd isn't pretentious, but I think his insecurities on this one are so glaring in the first like two to three pages, because the the opening scene is. Todd McFarlane's uh, spawn just kind of talking about I'm not like I have to get back my this my soul is darkness and it starts out with the with the earth and the earth fades away into just stars and the stars go away and it's just black a couple black uh, panels and it says now there's darkness in my soul which is just so <laughs> like <laughs> I'm reading all of this in, in Todd McFarlane voice this whole issue yeah now there's there's darkness in my soul. I can't I, I can't do the Todd McFarlane voice, but you know uh, Rob Liefeld does it all the time. It's really good. I want to die again. <laughs> I think I'm doing Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah. That's Bernie. <laughs> I think I'm doing Bernie. That's Bernie Sponders. I'm doing Bernie Sponders here. I'm sorry. So it pulls out. We see like an urban sort of cityscape, and it's taunting, uh, sponsoring. I want to die again, but I chose to come back. And then we see, you know, more buildings, just gritty buildings. Yeah, this is the darkest city ever. Lightning strikes behind, the, you know, the figure of Spawn in a cape standing over like a church steeple. And then we just see his eyes. And it just looks like this man just read Sin City. Well, I was about to say, it's very clear that this is uh, inspired by uh, Frank Miller and Dark Knight Returns. Um, yeah, the lightning is the Dark Knight Returns thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. eyes look like the eyes feel exactly like, yeah, like Dark Knight Returns, for, uh, Sin City, when it's just like the heavy, um, whatchamacallit, contrast. But, but even the next page, which starts with these, the famous uh, three news anchors that we'll, we'll see in Spawn, where there's like the lady for CNN, the guy who is sort of like a right wing conspiracy theorist, which. Uh, and then, like the inter- I just called him Alex Jones. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny because these these three characters stay in the books for 20, 25 years, and he uses them. They're still around. Yes, it, they disappeared for. Wow. I don't, you know, there was like periods where they disappeared for a long time, and then, you know, you'll you'll pick up an issue and just be like, wow, there they are. There's my there's my friends giving me the exposition <laughs> for the world, and <laughs> I realized the movie. I realized rereading this that. This also comes from Dark Knight Returns, which is oh yeah you know, he he loads 
that book up with all these tiny panels of news clips to sort of like fill you in on how the world is operating. So strong, strong Dark Knight Returns influence here. There's Dark Knight Returns influence on that page, but the the nine panel grid is clearly like pulling out of the of the earth is like pulling off the pin in Watchmen. Yeah. He was like, okay, people are going to think I'm a good writer. How do I prove to them I am? <laughs> I'll just mix up Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen, the two most like highly regarded comics of all time. And, you know, at that point, they were only like a few years old. Mm-hmm. But still, like, he was like, I'll get my shit off real quick. So, yeah, then we cut to the CNN anchor, who is the same anchor from Wildcats. And I guess she's that that first one is in all the image books, from what I understand. She's like the through line oh, okay. our buddy told us in, in the Wildcats episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's in there, and they explain a little bit of backstory. They they say that Al Simmons has been uh, buried. He's a Secret Service hero who saved, the, who saved President Ronald Reagan. They don't say his name specifically, Yeah. but they reference John Hinckley later. Uh, they saved him from assassination. Thanks a lot, Al. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> That made me laugh because I'm like, at that point, I guess Reagan people were still kind of fucking with him. Like, even if you're like, I don't know if like being sort of like neolib kind of dude was cool back then. Like, I don't know if that was a in like 92, like had a to Clinton win yet. Was I mean, that th- this page has another reference. I mean, if we're if we're going to go down the page, like when you see the the gossip, we're not anchor, we're talking about what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying like it has a direct reference to like a Republican convention. Right, right. But um, was like in 92, Clinton hadn't won yet, right? That was 94. Right, yeah. No. So like, I don't know if there was a context for like a cool Democrat lib guy. I don't know if that was. I I don't think that exists yet. Yeah, so. 92 was the election, by the way. Oh, so never mind. Yeah. So Clinton would have been popping. Yeah, he was as this book came out. He was on Arsenio Hall playing his saxophone or something. Yeah, Clinton was. The, yeah, there's that saying where Clinton's like the first black pre- president, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and maybe that's why Todd also did the same thing with Al Simmons. Like they're kind of like in that same vibe. So he saves Reagan, and then he goes into the. Well, they don't say the CIA because they never really do. They always kind of say like covert ops or whatever. But the CIA. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile. We learned that his wife is at the funeral from the third guy. So there's the Rush Limbaugh guy. There's the just sort of regular Asian CNN anchor. Yeah, CNN anchor mentions the wife, but and she and she makes sure to mention that she's devastated. Uh, yeah, yeah, I she's like bummed. Like, <laughs> like that's if we're going back into like the sort of like the Todd McFarlane psychoanalysis, like him specifying that she's completely destroyed. Is sort of a a a, a very uh, fascinating projection here. Well, yeah, considering she's immediately at that funeral with his best friend. Incredible. Well, hold on a second. Isn't his best friend? Yeah, we've, gonna be we've at, gotten into this argument before privately. His best friend's gonna be at the funeral, so that's not that's not suspicious in and of, <laughs> in and of itself. That's not suspicious. But gossip no, gossip is. guy makes a point. Gossip guy's like, ooh, they're at the funeral together. Yeah. What? Let, let's read exactly what got because we've had this argument before. I suggested to you that Wanda was already cheating on Al Simmons, mm. and you said no, couldn't be. Canonically, why? As a as a as a longtime reader, I I think uh, she was not cheating on him. No, they're they're, they're why, the perfect it, marriage. They're like 
in in love at least from this it's like a perfect uh, uh, uh emotional uh, uh relationship that, that he'll go through hell and everything just to get back to her throughout the spawn series um the relationship between al and wanda it gets very complicated and sometimes problematic and uh yeah i need to hear more about that relationship after we finish up because i've got questions especially after she she cucked him this way by a different (laughs) dude it's not even terry that she's talking about she's talking about martin Martin Alexander. alexander yeah it's a different dude who that's his best friend or is it terry I no clue here. It says that like well, I'm asking she's... Matt because Matt's saying oh, that he okay. didn't. Me and you know he cheated, she cheated on him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You know this is a this is a throwaway line that just doesn't seem to play any. Uh... <laughs> oh, <laughs> Matt's like, oh, I don't really care about that. That doesn't really mean anything. Well, <laughs> so so Todd just wanted to like get the idea out there that she was from the funeral already getting right. down. Oh, uh, one one note I want to make about this page also is that. They say that, you know, he's no replacement, this other guy who she's cheating on him with, mm-hmm. for one of, he was voted <laughs> one of the sexiest men alive two years ago. It, now. It's a diverse career. Let me ask you a question. I get that he would become very famous after saving Reagan from assassination, but how was he a covert op and the sexiest man alive at the same time? No, you're right. Can you imagine, like, like, the missions he's in, he's like, no, it's sexiest man alive! <laughs> get him! <laughs> Reading this part again, it's um, this is like the wildest shit ever. That is, <laughs> this is like the third page of the comic, and it's like getting crazy with the plot implications of what's going on. The uh, I, as far as I remember, though, this stuff is not touched on again. I don't think that she was, she was, you know, it could have been a line that's that's I don't remember because I haven't read the comic in twenty years. But I don't, I, I really don't know that they were, that she was cheating. Well, I get that you ship them. Yeah. That's clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get that you stand. That's obvious. But I, I'm just saying, like, it's crazy that he would be that much of a celebrity and also working as a s- spy for the government. It does not make sense whatsoever. <laughs> not... Okay, so then we get to... Sorry, Dan, do you have anything else? Yeah, no, the, uh, I, I just... Like, like we, we talked about uh, Gossip uh, Reporter and the CNN one, but I really, in, I really enjoy the, the conspiracy theory guy. Um, That's your favorite. My favorite's the gossip guy. I but I, I like the Alex Jones type. I, I'm I guess I'm problematic and toxic that way. But uh, like the way he talks, <laughs> it's like this this attitude of this Alex Jonesian attitude has yeah. been in the zeitgeist for so long, and you can see it in every single thing that he's saying. Like, um, uh, like well, yeah, I think at this point it would have been like the AM coast to coast guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And seeing as uh, how he plays it up a lot in the um. In, in the in the new uh, issues I mean I, I actually was surprised going back and reading this and seeing that it was still it was there just from day one that this guy yeah. is kind of a like a right-wing conspiracy theorist they need more representation for uh, left-wing conspiracy theorist podcasters and the, well Todd, you know what Todd hit us up we're available when I do my spawn run I'm gonna introduce like a like a dirt bag um, like, yeah like a youtuber those bros flintalos maybe possibly well, yeah, but you know they'll be like um, just sort of like a like a lunatic left wing guy like Jimmy Dore, uh, YouTuber mm. who could <laughs> like narrate um, Spawn uh, history that's happening in that world. Malbosha, Malbosha's uh, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. When you when you look at Malbosha, the deal is decent. 
<laughs> I mean, the clown, you know, I talked to the clown. I talked to the clown. I talked to the clown. He said he's pro LGBTQ. He was really entertaining. He was funny. When I talked to, when I, when I heard what Mabojo was saying, and he, and he's against the corporate Democrats, it blew my mind. Sponsita thinks oh, that he dear. can make peace. Dude, bro, you need to get over these divorced dads. We need to move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, we cut to the the flashback origin. Mm-hmm. We go back to the nine panel grid, and he, you know, he's kind of cooking. The colorist, uh, shout out Steve Olief. Uh, he did the he famously did the Akira, you know, American reprint at Epic Comics uh, recolors. But th- this stuff, he's just doing like purple, orange, yellow, red, and we we learn. Not much, but we see we see flashbacks of Spawn like in his heyday as Al Simmons. One thing I want to note about Spawn in his heyday as Al Simmons is he had slick back hair. Todd hadn't quite figured out how to draw like the the black dude haircut that he would perfect later. Yeah, yeah, no, that panel is, looks it's still a work in progress. This was his first time drawing a black person ever. So this was <laughs> <laughs> this was rough, but you know it's cool. He looks it's cool and it's interesting that he looks like Cable, like. Because now you think of Spawn, you think of gear. You think of, like, you know, you think of, like, the movie version of, like, Al Simmons and how he's got, like, the strapped up, like, you know, he looks like a real, like, military guy. Yeah. Um. But back then, it, like, the that was just sci-fi, dude. Chrome everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was, like, shoulder pads, fat vertical sci-fi guns. That was the equivalent. That was covert ops. It, it, it feels like image house style. Yeah. Like, this guy was yeah. an image house style soldier that got, right. um killed um i wanted to oh, say it's interesting all the uh all the image guys wanted to play in each other's sandboxes mm-hmm. so you're right like he, he's definitely doing like okay if this guy exists at the same time as the young bloods yeah and the wildcats and everything like he would have to have gear similar to theirs to fit into that universe and just imagine that you know the interconnected image universe exists at how much goddamn black ops is happening in this fucking world (laughs) (laughs) yeah image is like just ruled by black ops like in wildcats there was literally like three different black ops that were all one over another (laughs) and that's just in one book and they're all mentioning young blood as just this other covert ops that's happening at all times (laughs) well young blood is explicitly not covert they're just ops yeah and nobody respects them which is pretty incredible. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to say, like, uh, say what you will about the Spawn movie. This this guy is Martin Sheen to me. Like, I'm seeing the the, the perfectly cut uh, beard, and I can only think of Martin Sheen. You talk about the bad guy? Yeah, I the, forget his name. Jason, uh, Jason Wynn. Wynn. No, that was perfectly cast. Yeah, the, that movie, yes. Back to the issue, though. Back to the issue. So, um, a couple things is I... Uh, central to the themes is he says in this that you know he can't remember much about his history but he remembers that he was betrayed and that they turned on me and he remembers he turned on me and then uh but the only thing keeping him sort of like tethered to reality is like this really beautiful wife of his uh and he doesn't know it's his wife yet but it's his wife wanda and he just says she's so beautiful look at her oh my god i simp i stand <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to sub to her her Twitch stream. He's just sending bits. Yeah, he's just sending bits over and over. So uh, we see that, and then we mix up images of her and the devil, and her and skulls, and her and explosions. 
Like her naked body holding a rose and his flesh being like this is this off. is Todd McFarland being genuinely romantic in like this sort of like New Jersey way where it's gay to say feelings. <laughs> it's like I I don't want I don't want to sound gay or nothing, but I just love her. You know, like it's it's incredible. Is it gay to make a deal with the devil to come back and uh, have sex with your wife? I he can't have sex. He can't do it. His dick has been burned to a crisp. That's spoilers. Is it he gay has... to come back and just want to look at a fabulous woman? <laughs> He has not found that out yet. He doesn't know that he's been burnt to a crisp yet. Yeah. If if he's like a hamburger, if they call him like hamburger, like when he's without a without the outfit, would that mean that it's like a like a sausage, like a like one of these um, McGriddle sausages? Yeah, his shit is like when you get a when you get like a Jimmy Dean sausage roll and you like open the thing <laughs> and it just comes out like that. Yep. Yeah. I, like you over fry it a little bit too much. Yeah. Underneath his suit. It's like a, yeah, it's like a chorizo casing <laughs> and you squeeze out the chorizo and it just comes out and it's just like fucked up. Yeah. I love like a little um, bit comes out with the, with the outfit, with the, with the suit. <laughs> like there's, it peels off. That's disgusting. I can't believe that Matt co-signs this. I don't know if you. <laughs> and then, and then, and then you get to like seeing this book. I'm, I'm like, oh, this is what letterers do. Like. Yeah, the lettering kind of goes hard mm-hmm. on this book. All throughout this book, Especially I'm like, wow. Whenever Violator, whenever Violator talks, it, like he takes it to a new level. Yeah. Damn yeah. his lies. The this, lettering. The next is, panel with the skulls is like, damn his lies. The the lettering is great, and even though you know it's not Todd, it's uh, it's Tom uh, Orzachowski, who's uh, who's obviously you know pretty famous letterer, and he's done all the all the uh, Spawn issues. But he Todd is uh, very influenced by certain aspects of Dave Sim. I mean, if you have ever looked yeah. at Dave Sims' um, caricature work, like he has, you know, he'll draw human figures that are sort of more cartoony sometimes. I mean, it, it that's Todd's, that's one of his big direct influences. I mean, there is, mm-hmm. there's a very similar style. And then the lettering is too. So I think, I think that Todd is, um, I'm guessing here, but is directing some of the lettering and like saying, you know, probably she's probably showing this guy serious pages and being like, look, man, yeah. like, look, look, I'm look. just imagining like control freak Todd. And he's like, no, you gotta, you gotta bold his and you got like, like every other line is like, you gotta bold it. Well, he's probably yeah. You imagine the way Todd talks about anything and imagine he's explaining that to the letter, how this it's like an it's like an it's like a director who's getting like a really over the top performance out of an actor. Well, you got to think about. And he's just like, no, go bigger, go bigger. <laughs> like back in the day, how they you know they didn't have the internet and uh, phones and stuff, or you know, uh, cell phones. So, I mean, he's probably faxing Tom Orzechowski like Cerebus pages, and then calling him five minutes later <laughs> and like being like, look, like we got to work on this level. Like this is like Dave Sim is because he Dave Sim is. A, a a sort of master letterer who was doing shit way way before other people were like experimenting with balloon shapes and stuff well here's here's how much respect todd mcfarland has for dave sim after after these initial six issues he wanted to flex because he felt like people didn't respect the writing that any of the image comics had so he's like oh we okay we can't write well here's what we can do we're so fucking rich we'll pay all the best writers in comics, $100,000 per script, four of them. And he, he said, we'll get Alan Moore, we'll get Frank Miller, we'll get Neil Gaiman, mistake, <laughs> and, and we'll get Dave Sim. And one of those things is not like the others. But in the interest of solidarity, he said, listen, you guys are all going to get $100,000. 
even Dave Sim, who like doesn't deserve it. <laughs> you know, it was funny because at the time, I mean, I didn't know who the hell Dave Sim was when I was nine. And uh, yeah. reading those issues, I mean, they are, most of them are just off the chain, ridiculous, like fucking Frank Miller scripts. There's like this weird futuristic gang fighting in the alleyway and Spawn comes and kills them all. The The Neil Gaiman one is just um, this medieval Spawn story that ruled like the first time. You know, I read it. It's like, oh wow, there's more spawns. I mean, I think Neil Gaiman introduced the uh, the concept of there being other sp- uh, more uh, yeah. spawns, mm-hmm. and then which which has become like very central to the the comic still to this day. And then the Dave Sim one, which was just baffling, and it was actually part of <laughs> a two part story that started in Cerebus and then continued in Spawn number nine or whatever it was, and. It's all I can, I haven't read it in a long time, but I can just say that it's definitely a a metaphor for like creator's rights. So I think that Todd was really into it and it sort of alludes to, uh, you know, there's all these like characters from Marvel and DC that are like in these cages and he's talking about how their creators were mistreated or something. But I mean, it's, it was like totally outside the box, had nothing really to do with the Spawn or the Spawn universe and was totally strange to read as a child. Can I, my favorite, my favorite aside to that story, uh, is that in an interview, I think Terry Fitzgerald or some other guy at image was like flexing, like we got these four motherfuckers four of the biggest names in comics to write these. And he also included Grant Morrison, but Grant Morrison didn't know that. So he's reading this movie. Like, Whoa, really? <laughs> so that he calls, he calls Todd and he's just like, Hey man, like it said that I'm supposed to be writing an issue of spawn. Is that true? And Todd's like, well, oh, no, man, that's a mistake, but do you want to? <laughs> and he's like, okay, yeah. So then he wrote three issues of Spawn. Yeah, that's how. I don't know if he got I don't know if he got 100000 per, but he said the pay was amazing, and he said it was really good because he had just blown all of his Arkham Asylum money on drugs. So <laughs> I love like, Perfect. That, that, really, that really helped me you out. You know, that's how I um... – that's how I get gigs uh, with people. Like, you know, I'm, I'm already, I'm posting on Twitter now, like super excited for my spawn run with Ramon Villalobos, <laughs> like Ramon on art and me on writing. Like, we're going to kill it. Thanks, Todd. And it's going to be a great book. I saw a preview. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Daniel got cut out of the creative team. Yeah. yeah um, no, I'm lettering it. It's kind of awkward. I know you were going to color it and now we kind of got a new colorist, but it's, it's all yeah. good. You're getting Stacey for it. <laughs> Yeah, D- Daniel's Daniel's the fill-in artist because because um, <laughs> we know I'm yeah. Because <laughs> I know you're not going to be doing uh, twelve consecutive issues in twelve months. That's we're gonna have to find a a a, a quicker artist because that's gonna be like too late. Artist like the filler is late. <laughs> the book is not gonna um, come out. Well, that's when I. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> then I then I'll step in. Anyway. But. Wait, let Matt let Matt get his shit off so he can get a hundred k for the for the script. <laughs> oh, I think. I, but before we get back to the comic, I think I did have something else about the, these guys getting one hundred k. What was it? I think it's just that I love that Alan Moore was at the time like revered in comics. These guys, I mean, they were all influenced by Watchmen, and and then in the nineties, Alan Moore was like, "Fuck the big two, Like, I hate them. And I'm not going to write like anything high-minded or literary with something to say. I'm just going to write 
like comics for image for like one hundred thousand dollars a script and like fuck around with supreme <laughs> and glory and and Wild and cats. wildcats and spawn i mean he would just pump shit out for image it was incredible i was reading it as a kid i had no idea who alan moore was i hadn't read watchmen yet and you know i was looking through my spawn crate there's like he did this four issue miniseries spawn blood feud i mean he his comics were selling so much back then that you know he was just making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year writing image books it's it, and then he went back to like what what I love is the artist passed his ass around. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is that is like a, a beautiful flip. <laughs> yeah, never could happen today. But I love there. It's like, oh, you want Alan? <laughs> I'm done with him. I'm good. I got what I need. I got my Thanks. four issues. Yeah, yeah. they were. Um, it's incredible. And then he went. And then he got his imprint at Wildstorm. And then he like started you know writing the abc comics which were more like actual alan moore uh, hilarious alan moore hijinks decides to get his imprint in the with the one guy that's gonna sell it all to dc <laughs> yeah oops I, uh, my understanding is that he was he was pissed as hell about that and they had to negotiate yeah. you know the, something where they had to you know i think someone had to fly out to i think i think alan moore is like I'll accept it if you suck my dick. <laughs> Jim Lee, you personally have to come come over here and suck my dick. And that's... It's one of the worst impressions I've ever had. <laughs> I like, I like how Alan all of Moore, Daniel's... All of Daniel's have you heard of Bromel? All it's of Daniel's comic. impressions, it's like 40% Bernie Sanders in every impression. That <laughs> <laughs> This one, this one's definitely like cock, cockney Bernie Sanders. Uh, so looking back to the issue, yeah, yeah, we see the we we see the intro. That was a the... great point, Matt. I'm glad that it allowed Daniel to do that terrible impression. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, we get the nine 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 nine. Yeah, so I don't understand the nine 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 thing. I guess it's supposed to be something to do with time. As the issues go on, eventually it'll be like nine nine four this five. This is a uh, like this is a, a tax plan from Herman Cain, R.I.P. <laughs> uh, no, oh, it's a, it's his, it's his power meter, man. It starts out at nine nine. It's oh, it's his power yeah. meter. Yeah, and then so the power oh. meter is a is a is a whole thing. It goes out through the issues. It was counting down slowly, and what then, number is it? What number is it at three eleven? Well, I'll tell you in a second. Um, so <laughs> I forget when, you know, it was like abandoned for a long time. Then it would come back. I forget. I think it got to zero at some point. But then there's been a couple spawn, like, essentially events, yeah, like big things in the comics that sort of like reset the status quo or reset the universe almost and reset his position. Like once he's free of Milvolja and kills him in like issue 100, there's not the clock oh, anymore. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler alert for you know uh, <laughs> 2002, but uh, currently in 300, he did something that is you know kind of unclear, but it basically reset a bunch of stuff and brought all these other different spawns into the universe, and now the power meter's counting up from zero. So what that means is is uh, has not been revealed, but the power meter's still there. It's a good twist. Yeah, <laughs> numbers going up. <laughs> so yeah, we see a we see his power meter first appear. We see a for some reason a sand like a sands of time explode into the power meter. Yeah, um, it's a, it's an interesting imagery. For him. I don't know what he's trying to imply with it. It's and then we get 
Todd going, all right, big big face shot, him kind of like doing the cool like got my got my mind on my money, money on my mind. <laughs> I thought it like, was like a like a cat the... licking its paw type. <laughs> I thought he was just doing some like G shit. I don't know. And then and then we get him just jumping and that's a double page vertical spread. So like this man is cooking on these oh, pages. Yeah. He's just doing Well, whatever. that's what I was going to say is that um, these three pages especially are I mean, he we have like a very formalist approach to like the first the right. first five or six pages of the book. Then it's just like yep. getting crazy. It's like a full page spread with the panels sort of just like cascading into uh into this big image of spawn a full page close up of spawn then you turn the page and it's this vertical if he was just like i'm doing whatever the fuck i want was it a rule that every and single image number one had to have the 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 fold out the or the, like the pin up style it should have been i don't know if it did because we have to read them all but it should have been that. <laughs> one thing I one thing I want to note is like while this is happening, he's literally saying nothing. Oh, but I want to I want to read. <laughs> there might as well. Be. I want to read one of the things that he says because it's it's very it's very funny. He says, "None of this makes any sense. A handful of images darting in my mind. That's it. That's all I have to my life." And the, is this like the 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 close up the close up page? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely. Uh, trying to prove that he's a writer here and saying nothing and it's good it's i i like it yeah i love that i love the one that you pointed out of like a handful of images darting in my mind that's it that's all i have left in my life is like that's that's where he's at mm -hmm. he's just like yo i'm going to show these motherfuckers that i'm one of the best artists in the game right well now. it's what he's doing i mean it's like what he's doing on the pages at that very moment it's like he, yeah. she'll know he, who yep. i am he's got spawn he's got the idea he's got the awesome design down he knows like the basics of uh you know he doesn't have some i don't think he has a destination in mind because he just writes it as he goes and that's he's talking about yeah. himself yeah, and uh, one thing I want to note about his design is in this one, and when he first started, he had like red sort of like corset inside the classic like spawn yeah. center stripe mm -hmm. thing. It, it looks kind of weird. Um, his like, but his I, like one. I, piece I would want to say, thing. yeah, it makes it look like he has one piece bikini. But I would like to say that like, um, this makes him look very emasculine, and I could see why Wanda cheated on him in some of these shots. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry matt yeah yep uh there, there's a yo this man this man gives him the craziest package of all time there's, there's definitely like a feminine aspect to like how todd draws like thighs and hips yeah uh, all throughout this like i don't want to i i don't i don't want to say this well, in a just, problematic it's way but like the the way the the sort of like corset thing like tapers on down to his crotch almost feels like very like vaginal yeah i mean it, the whole thing points to his his crotch and then he's got like the sort of psylocke crotch <laughs> exactly yes <laughs> yes it's just kind of a wild move for spawn but you know i'm not a I, what do i know mm. so then we cut to sam and twitch Really, the Los Flintalos bros of the Spawn universe. Yeah. I, I love this page. <laughs> if, 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 if me and Daniel were in a comic, this would be us right here. This is very much our, our attitude towards everything. Our dynamic. <laughs> and the cigarette, the cigarette action here is, is top notch. Like, the smoke is dancing. Love it. 
I was I was heavily influenced by that kind of uh, Todd McFarlane smoke off of a cigarette, where it's just like, yo, I could draw this like trailing out of the panel, or I could spend like five minutes making detailed ass smoke because I like to draw shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're 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 investigating the murder of a mobster named Carlo Giamatti. Uh, there's a lot of anti-Italian sentiment in these early image comics, and I want to apologize to our Italian listeners. Um, we didn't make this all this violence against the Italian community. Take it up with the image founders. Okay, they're the ones who hate Italians. But, uh, our official ap- apology is <clears throat> perdona. <laughs> <laughs> so. We find out that this man has had his heart ripped out, shoved in his mouth, and thrown off of a 34-story building. 44th, sir. Uh, oh, 44th? Which, oh, my bad. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like Twitch does the correcting thing, and that's me in the... Yeah, shut up, Twitch. I'm, I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it, I think the implication here is that we think it's supposed to be Spawn, but it's not, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, it's, I think it's pretty... To me, it's pretty clear from the get-go that there's somebody else at play that's going to be like pitted against Spawn, I guess. But maybe that's just because I know what happens. But the Spawn is, you know, doing all this uh, internal monologue. Nothing indicates that he is going around killing people, and he's presented real heroically. That's but fair. I, I think it's funny because it's so clearly like a metaphor for what uh al simmons just described of like having his heart ripped out and like thrown out of a building that's like what that's what happened to him man with his with being killed and losing his wife yeah i love how the cops embrace vigilanteism as they're just like it's either a wacko or the best these guys are way down they're down with it or both (laughs) they're like either way it saves us some work so we're good (laughs) so then we cut to spawn finally getting to do some spawn stuff we're about halfway through the issue finally he's not just sulking crying about simping over his wife his ex-wife who's already by the way she's good don't worry about her <laughs> well so this gets he into... doesn't he doesn't know that he doesn't even know himself right he doesn't know that yet. what's himself. about to happen in the ne- is these next few pages is a real um image number one uh mm. moment which is that a woman is being uh raped in an alley by a, a gang of knife-wielding thugs, and our hero has to uh, intervene. Was there, like, one in each issue? It feels like it. <laughs> like, in Wildcats, it was, it was, what's his name, Imp? Imp, he woke was up. about to the, get jumped. Yeah. He woke up in the alley, yeah. And then, I... And Imp, as we all know, is a certified babe, a, a 10 out yeah. of 10, a dime piece, a tiny he's more, dime He's more piece, like a 5 he's... out of 5, but, yeah. <laughs> this man is a hunk. I've... But he's, you know, just... Smoking. I mean, I'm almost sure that um, Shadowhawk had stuff like this for sure, right? It, what I love about it, by the way, is it also is uh, just an extremely Sin City move. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like that that happens in there. And, you know, Frank Miller would eventually do the same exact scene in uh, All-Star Batman and Robin, which we, you know, talked to Big Gleb about. But, yeah, he sees, he sees a, a gang of... A goons about to rape a varied assortment of goons they're always like different shapes and sizes (laughs) that's what i was gonna say i love 90s goons in these books because we got the fat guy with the mohawk he's very sick although he's a rapist so it was like yeah like you can't really compliment them too much yeah right but then we have like two axel roses (laughs) yeah two varieties of like long hair (laughs) freaks we got we got a dave mustang we got an axel rose and then we got like they're randomly hanging out with like uh, Mick Foley or Kenny Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Like, just like a big mountain man is there also for some reason. Yeah, there's the big Mohawk man. I think they ra- I think they met at like a rapist anonymous <laughs> thing. They look like they look like they're in like a cheap trick band where they got two hot guys and two weirdos. Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to um applaud or celebrate too much of like this problematic content, but I have to admit that I yeah. that I that I like cackled out loud when I read "Shut up, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> Like it's, it's... I, See, hold on a second, because I don't know if you've heard the podcast before, Matt, but he does this every time. He's trying to get us canceled because he doesn't respect women, I, and every episode I, I have literally to tell just disclaimer that I'm not toxic. toxic. I, I, mean, I just I've said I'm seen... not toxic. Oh, I I have toxic. listened to the podcast, and my, my big takeaway is, you know, Dan continuing to talk over women, talks over them is toxic despicable behavior by daniel i did celebrate not reject it. Ce- i celebrate the insulting of women on on Horrible. air apparently damn so they find this woman in in the alleyway what she's doing in the middle of it's this like a high-rise no, wait a roofless <laughs> building it's an alleyway with four sides of walls it's it's a roof he's like jumping it's an alleyway jumping. so much as like a building ditch yes yeah yeah uh, i i i ramon's victim blaming saying i don't know what she's doing there but um. <laughs> no, I, no, 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 that's exactly what he's doing. Don't do that. No, I'm saying like I don't know how this place. No, it exists. does. It's it, it's very strange. Um, so, but don't worry, because Bond's here, just like me, ready here to not, you know, in a patronizing way, not in a sh- not in a. Uh, pa- this is this is Ramon way. showing up to stop me, which is represented by the thugs. Yeah, from you're insulting the thugs. Women. I'm Spawn. I have a cape. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, just my guy gets his shit off drawing the sickest fucking. But the Spawn weird thing about this ever. this intro is that it's actually like extremely passive. Like you, like yeah. We, maybe we've been like used to this thing becoming commonplace in comics, but like I I assume that from that dive that he was doing, he was just going to like smash and destroy them in this next panel. But he just shows up. He's like, hey, whoa, get out of here. <laughs> Well, Spawn is a pacifist fairly early on, despite the fact that he's covered with chrome uh, spikes and chains. Um, but e- eventually he will discover his love of a gun. Mm. But yeah, so I love that he this giant hulking fucking, uh, you know, he looks like a, you know, like a crazed vampire yeah. guy. He like jumps down in this in this alley pit and the guy one of the one of the rapists pulls out a knife. <laughs> his name is Shank, like, by gonna, the way. He's like, he's like oh, it's a young blood weak. I'm gonna pull out <laughs> the tiniest knife ever to stab this guy and immediately just gets housed. Just gets <laughs> just get thrown out the fucking building. Wait, wait. Which but again, also, they're not in a building, so it's 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 Right. <laughs> no, they are. They're in like a roofless building. But like it's it's thrown... the strangest building I've ever seen, but it's oh. like ruins i sorry Mm -hmm. daniel's correct he's jumping into a building with no roof which is crazy but again and again what is she doing in there but (laughs) let's let's see that's toxic i'm assuming that they kidnapped her somehow and they wanted like a star like a view of the stars while they were committing assault okay you're you're right they are that is i guess clear in that first panel that he's jumping into a building but it's a little it's a little confusing it's not it's not yeah. that clear. Let's, no, yeah. <laughs> gonna, Matt, me you guys you, are excused. We're going to take the safe way. No, it's not yeah. that clear. 
So so he tosses this dude out he the window. He tosses him like neck like throat first. And then he gives a quick shout out to the number one company <laughs> number one comic company in all of comics, Bad Idea Comics. <laughs> at, at Bad Idea, hello. Mm-hmm. Check it out. We got first printings of ENIAC. We've got not first printings of ENIAC. You need to use that for Get promo. one cuz we ain't about the hype. We're about the comics. We're not about the bullshit. We're about the comics. Shout out Bad Idea Spons Comics. Sponsors Bad Idea. Sponsors Bad Idea. <laughs> Anyways, bad idea. Ramon Villalobos coming soon. In, in the next, in the next page, we we get uh, Spawn like uh, egging on the rest of the thugs with like a who's next. And <laughs> Matt, well, Matt already kind of like stepped on what I what I was gonna say uh, eventually, but he's like, "You crazy mf." And the side note is that like we've been, I've been thinking about calling uh, anyone who's listening to Mex Fontayo uh, a, a mf'er. Well, no, I said been re- that referring to them Daniel, that I said, already. I, I said that earlier in the podcast, and you just took my idea and said you've been thinking about it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Toxic. I, he Neil. He he Neil yeah. Gaiman. You. <laughs> Wait, yeah. am I Neil Gaimaning or or is Matt? I'm I'm Neil Gaiman. I come on your show. I can I'm I contribute to the uh, to the lore, right? Then you I, then I, you I, say I, it's I, your I, idea. I sue you. We go to court for twenty years, and then I get. <laughs> The rights to MFR, and then I sell that word to Marvel. <laughs> you start, <laughs> you start uh, making MFR shirts. Yeah. Anyone, anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, it involves Angela and Neil Gaiman lawsuit, and for some reason, a Spawn character now being Thor's sister. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. That is weird. that is pretty great, and it does deepen the the Todd spite for Marvel. Oh yeah. Yeah, like. So so Spawn, he's like, yeah, I threw one of your dudes out a window. He's fucking dead. Well, that par- partially, by the way, that's why I thought maybe he might Spawn might have killed the other guy is because he just threw this guy out a window. Yeah, yeah I mean the guy who got yeah. thrown out the window, I'm I'm pretty sure he's dead. I want to say that whatever he's doing in this page killed the fat guy. No, nah, but next well. panel he's running away. Uh, no. Nope. Well, there are two fat but there's guys. There's three characters left, and three are running away. Um. That is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But you're none. Right, right. None of these. Well, one of those guys lost a lot of weight in between the two panels because one of the there are two fat guys, and there's two fuck boys, and the, one of the fuck boys got thrown out the window, and then yeah, the fat guy just got his glasses broken. He's like, gotta go. <laughs> but it's such a big boom, and I, I don't know. Fine. <laughs> Daniel, you lost. I, this I one, lost. Bro. You were I, right I about lost. the building. You're wrong about this. I, I carry two sacks on my shoulders. It's one once for winning and once for losing, and I accept this one. I do think it's it's pretty amazing that Bebop and yeah. you know Bebop and Rocksteady they were able to get away from Spod, <laughs> and like he he threw the one guy out the window. Yeah, he just lets these guys go. He lets these like like they vicious were, yeah rapists. they were about to rape this chick though. Like they they still physically they still sexually assaulted her even if they didn't go to the next level. So like I mean I don't know like if you're gonna start killing one of them why not just kill all th- four of them? But these dudes are absolutely deranged psychos. Yeah, all of them. One of them was the was the one who said, "I still want her warm" or something like. Wait, yeah. before you cut her tongue off. I gotta yeah. say, as a, these are as these... a wife guy. I mean, Spawn is supposed to be a wife guy, and this guy's letting letting rapists run free. It just it's at odds with the whole idea of Spawn, which is like he should have already hung them upside down by chance yeah, from and the sk- first panel, and like that he shows up. But I like I like where this goes um, in the next couple pages because it is yeah I do too it ends up being the rape victim consoling Spawn right so 
So he's like trying to help her out. Like she's afraid and he says, don't worry about it. And then he's haunted by a skull, which again, like we've seen insane violence. We've seen, we've seen so much crazy shit. Like he himself is scarier than this little skull, but like it it's trips a tiny him out. Little skull. <laughs> yeah. It trips him out. He gets dizzy and then he immediately starts remembering the face of his beautiful Wanda. He starts yeah. simping. That's the thing is when you're a simp to this degree, you can't control it hurts. when the simping starts. Yeah, no, he's it, a, it literally hurts to think about a woman when, you're, a when to- you're simping like this. <laughs> he's in a total wife spiral. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being on here and, and challenging Daniel's toxic simp worldview because I, I prefer to think of it as what you said, a wife spiral. That's beautiful. Yeah, well, he's... That's love. That's true love. Yeah, he's yeah, spiraling. No, Matt's bringing a, a, a wife guy perspective to this book, and I think we that's We desperately important. needed the wife guy perspective on this show, for sure. Yeah, you know, I Otherwise, mean, this could have this could have gone off the rails. Daniel could have got us canceled again. Yeah, especially yeah. during this scene, it would have been really fucked up. <laughs> you, know, I'm, you know, I'm viewing this as a as a, uh, as a as a wife guy and you know Daniel's coming on with the with the incel point of view. Uh, <laughs> Some people have said this is the number one incel podcast in comics. I say you can't do that. You can't say that about this show when there's 19 other Comicsgate podcasts out there. That's okay? true. That's yeah. don't, true. You don't don't put that on me. Don't put that evil on us. I'm no, only recently, is... I'm only recently pandemic incelled. This is it doesn't count. <laughs> this is vol... I... this is a you guys are volcel. I don't want to insult you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's... I want to say that this is a beautiful page. It's uh, it's it's like very baroque, and it's the first time where like he really just starts doing like crazy shit with like webs and glass. Like, like I don't yeah, even he understand the web why here. he does it. Oh, I'll tell you why. I mean, you ever read Spider-Man Torment? Yeah, okay, I understand why he would do that in Spider-Man. Well, I'm just saying, he's <laughs> he's 15 pages into his new comic, and he's like, yo, it's time for the webs again. I'm bringing I mean, it back. Yeah. Like, like no, this... I understand why, if this was a Spider-Man comic, there would be webs everywhere. Well, right? That makes perfect sense to me. You know, it's, it's, it's like you said earlier about just dark, edgy shit, like scrolling the, the yeah. swastika into the desk. It's like, is there anything really that connects spawn to spider webs no there Nothing. is there is if if he draws it then then he makes it so because spiders are mm-hmm. dark and cool as shit and they live like, in the they alley race, man. this could have just eas- as easily been chains okay i don't want to get problematic but i want to say one of the big simple lines of the thing where he says then you feel her presence warm caring soothing but somewhere deep inside she feels empty now not as empty as spawn might think because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's what he thinks. Come on, bro. Well, how about I mean? Don't worry, you, Terry Fitzgerald has her covered, bro. If you want to talk about something that's kind of um, strange or problematic, it's like the next line is she has no reason, no meaning, no soul. I mean, that's simp energy, bro. I mean, He's a stalker. Yeah, like what? I mean, but that's that's just his like if, '90s Jersey romantic. Thing. If I died without me, she's nothing, yo. If I died and and came back to uh, hang out with my wife some more, would I describe this woman I love as having without me no meaning and no soul? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, damn. But this is this is McFarland doing his thing. This is his like little sort well, of like life diary. He thought he left her all alone, but actually the whole time she was getting plugged by his friend, and now they got a kid together. He doesn't know that yet. Did Todd know that yet? Like, <laughs> like when he was writing this, did he know that yet? I I think it's unclear because 
I feel like uh, this would have been like a moment to like maybe have him or like the the mystery man in the panel or what, Terry is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is why I'm I'm not quite convinced of your uh, cuck theory because <laughs> I I haven't read the other issues in a while, but she's not here with him because these are flashbacks to the funeral, and then in the present day, which is five years after he died they have like you know a three-year-old daughter or whatever it is so you know you know how wild like she should have had a six-year-old daughter (laughs) (laughs) you know you know how wild it would have been if she would have brought that dude to this funeral when he was it was covered by the news and she was already there with some other dude yeah (laughs) there's there's rules and ethics about this she's supposed to bring two dates to the funeral (laughs) (laughs) but but like you know, I'm just going to say that she's grieving. The the guy she had in the funeral was the rebound. I get, because you're in full wife guy perspective mode. You have to clear your mind of the wife guy perspective and see the bitter Daniel <laughs> hatred put, put perspective. Put yourself in, in my shoes. Hates women, yeah. despises <laughs> their agencies. Not been, I would never, not personally, been, not me. Not been laid in, in months of lockdown <laughs> and just seething at these pages. Just... <laughs> Anytime I see a, a, a womanly figure, I just punch the wall. <laughs> the funeral. There's a casket with the American flag draped over it. And I want to just point out that the only time he's ever shown the American flag is in the context of death, which is mm. uh, pretty sick. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, he talks about this guy who gave his full life to the government yeah. and has done nothing but betray him, caused him death. And then we get the shot of her crying a single tear onto the flag. It's kind of tight. And only a Canadian would truly like have that much hatred for the US government. Yeah, it's everywhere. Um and then we it, get to the scene that mm-hmm. that Matt pointed out which is when Spawn comes back to reality, he's like now cowering and the woman has like embraced him and is like trying to comfort him and like, you know, uh help him out, like which is very sick. Yeah, this is not, you know, it was it was not written with um a 2021 understanding of uh uh, sexual assault or you know how to make a uh, full um female characters with it with agency <laughs> she's actually like taking off more clothes by the time she's consoling him here. he's he's like like this this guy this think of it from her perspective she's just traumatized she thinks like these four guys were about to rape and kill her and then this dude shows up in a fucking cape and like having powers and then Spikes. he likes and then he starts immediately descends into like a wife spiral where he's like passed out and like fucking yelling about some woman and then makes her this traumatized victim perform like emotional labor to tell him like shit's shit's gonna be okay with his wife the hell simp did a no growth (laughs) yeah it is what it is making making women uh using women as therapists he did a sexism. He did a patriarchy. Like one thing no I want to say uh, about uh, the Spawn mask, which is such an iconic mask, is having those eyes there, incredible. Right. Like, like very expressive. Like you can tell that that is a that is a tormented soul in that panel. Absolutely, I actually wrote that in my notes too. Is like it's the only time the triangles go the other way, and he's mm-hmm. allowed to not just be uh, angry, but he gets his shit off with these expressions on this thing, and I think it's like. You know, again, like Matt's absolutely right. It's problematic in the terms of like 2020, but for that era, it's like, oh my god, like he's letting Spawn be vulnerable. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is uh, unlikely for a yeah, guy, you know. It's, um, what, men, I wouldn't have expected it. I'll put it that way. You know, men aren't expected to uh, show feelings in public, and Spawn is, Spawn is doing it. Okay, so then we go to 1992. It's now the present. Uh, we were in the past, and then we were in the present. See, this is confusing. Na- the like, the <laughs> scene that we saw here, the the rescuing this victim, is that in 1992 as well? Yeah. That is, so what it's yeah. doing is it's it's not telling you how much distance was between the his death and his coming back until now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because that, that confused we, it me. It said it on. was 1987 before, and now it's 1992. And all the reporters have aged, which is kind of a nice, cool thing. And not only have they aged, the last the gossip guy gets a job at E Television instead He's of got a nice some random, some na- random network. And must have because that didn't exist in '92, in '87. I mean, one but, note about the one note about the right wing guy is his job is different now. He works for Two Today, where I forget what the what it was at the beginning of the book. But it's in like a ev- daytime conspiracy guy. In every appearance, which at this point he's probably been in the comic like thirty times. Every time he works for a different organization. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that that is a, a a nice touch. Yeah, we're we're going like I I wanted to say about this one and the previous sort of like news page is that their stat panels and you know if you're gonna do stat panels it's cool but I feel no, like Todd... writers do not do this. <laughs> writers please uh no stat no like no i what i wanted to say was that i feel like todd is such an expressive artist his strength is so much in in these emotional uh outbursts of characters and the way that he writes the 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 news anchors there is a lot of like emotion and and bold fonts in the in the in the lettering that i feel like if he had not done stat panels he could have like given uh given these moments uh, a lot more of like that impact well what's gonna happen pretty soon in the comic like in the next few issues i think is that he settles into just having one panel of each of these anchors on the left side and then kind of like a big block of text on the right but we don't want to we don't want to re-spark the uh static panel war or no, we're no, going, do we it. are going I to cause we're going to cause major problems with uh, the the writing community. We're we're going to get our, all of our favorite artists fired if we keep talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Editors are listening to this podcast, just to be clear. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> but I wanted I wanted to point out I wanted to point out um, that the guy that works for E, my favorite guy, yeah, um, the guy who the guy who I most relate to. Um, just because he's like only concerned with aesthetics and and the drama, <laughs> he's like he's a messy he's bitch. Like, uh, let's be real, Spawn's kind of basic. <laughs> he's like the Youngbloods, like they're they're you know they're what's hot. This guy's not hot. Let's get him out of here. But um, he's into the ruled. spikes. He's into the chains. He's got that. He's he's got that kink. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, then we cut back to Spawn. <laughs> Doing what else? Going, my wife. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a wife. I'll tell you that Spawn doing a wife spiral in in an alley is like this book for the next like 100 issues. <laughs> is this like a day in the life of Matt? You're just like walking around this, this street just... 
just wifey. <laughs> well, my I'm with my wife, so <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're okay. Daniel, what is the implication there? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not. No, I'm not implying anything. <laughs> Absolutely anything at all. I'm just. I, I, I'm just, just maybe when she's if, at the like, grocery store. Like this all the time. When like yeah, when you're not with your when you're not hanging out with your wife, are you just like, like my wife? She goes out to the supermarket. Are you like this? I, I pass. I, I pass out like spawn, and I just have these. Like, my mind you is just wake up in an alleyway next to bananas. My mind is filled with like these cobwebbed framed images. You just you just <laughs> yank at your skin and just like the way he does. <laughs> so he's he's really going through it. This yeah, man is, is in his emotions. Of importance in the dialogue here that needs to be literally nothing. <laughs> Um, but he's going through it what i love also about spawn is that his face is fucked but his teeth are incredible his his teeth are better than mine i'm gonna i'm gonna say that has veneers yeah i was gonna say bullshit gave him some uh gave him some (laughs) (laughs) a a, a new uh some fronts yeah he got a bag and fixed his grill or whatever cardi b says yeah no he like todd loves doing that whole like uh, teeth sort of like merge and solidify in the front yeah like it's perfect um, uh so yeah these three pages or these three pages really are just to show that spawn has been burned which we knew in the first page second page the one where he showed him getting burned alive yeah but the the, the reveal that he's still like this i feel like it's, it yeah. is an interesting concept for i don't know if there's uh, yeah it's, Deadpool already existed i guess but you can i don't tell know that. any characters like this i mean this is like the full load of it coming down on him which is like you know i gotta go back to my wife looking like i've been i've literally just been through hell and as an ugly person i can really relate (laughs) this is how this is how it is whenever you're staring into the mirror and it's like oh my face felt like what am i one one thing i will say is this is when I really was like, oh, this is like a, it truly is like Phantom of the Opera as like a, as like a hero, anti-hero thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't say hero because he literally says like, I'm not a hero. <laughs> yeah, he but only it's does like, one thing. This- he's like, you know, he's hideously disfigured, but he's in love and watching the girl that he loves, like, you know, be with another dude. It's like, it's, it's a, it's pretty, he's got a cape. it's pretty interesting the way he's doing that while everybody else around him is being inspired by like John Carpenter movies and, you know. These like just you know die hard and lethal weapon and shit like that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I want to just do like the romantic like you know wife comic that you know uh, we still like you still don't see shit like this really in comics. Well, yeah, I want to get in some 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 lore from the uh, subsequent issues, which is like I said, he does the the wife guy stuff and like sulking in the alley for kind of the better part of a hundred issues, which. You know people end up criticizing spawn about but then there's a bunch of different status quo changes through throughout spawn you know like he'll lose his powers and just be kind of like a guy he'll, at some point he becomes kind of human again and then he can transform into the spawn costume and then sometimes he goes back into like being a corpse and all this but long story short is in uh issue 250 there's a the the big status quo change is that Wanda, who who hasn't actually appeared in the comic for a long time, is killed. <gasps> so he um in by like a mob at like a I don't know what? yeah yeah so there's like a sort of a mob like um was Todd going through like a divorce or something or <laughs> you know no but so here's here's the thing though it, it the, 
Todd or or <laughs> Spawn like eventually Ow. sort of yeah. ga- gains um some sort of purpose beyond being a wife guy and like then he's like you know the guardian of earth protecting it from heaven and hell and all this shit and goes through like i said this is big there's all sorts of status quo changes but wanda it kind of disappears for a while and then yeah so spawn's new mission at that point becomes to like reclaim her soul which is like in hell being trapped and held by the devil like the actual satan which they finally show for the first time and like the Eric Larson run and Spawn mm, not would... not Mal Bologna no Mal Mal um Mal Bologna is is like some lord of hell or whatever like eight... yeah he's just like a a a, a an a tier demon the really um the Spawn canon is real uh silent about Satan until this storyline that comes out of two fifty and it ends up it's very weird because a lot of the preceding stuff was very sort of dark and a lot of artists that were a lot more realistic. And then you just get to Eric Larson and it's it's Eric Larson doing Eric Larson shit, right? It's Spawn, right. Spawn in Hell, like punching demons and they got battle axes and all this stuff. And it's that just, sounds so it's sick. just like wild. Sp- Spawn's fists grow like five sizes. <laughs> yeah. and, and then, you know, he say he like, it's weird i mean he like saves her soul in the end by defeating satan and and then she's at peace but but like wanda's dead like she's still dead and it's it's strange because there's always like in that spawns motivation his his founding motivation of being this wife guy in the first issue is gone and she's sort of like unceremoniously killed and and out of the series now that's very that's very problematic. So what? Yeah. So what does he do after that, though? Um, well, two. In, in what way does he simp then? Well, <laughs> so you know, let me let me think about how this all works, uh, or the continuity. So after like two fifty goes into well, that, and then can I, wait, can him. I propose to you a nib feature? Yeah. Uh, Spawn Grand Design. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I could do Spawn Grand Design because it is kind of like one of those things where. Telling the continuity of it is totally insane, and you'd have to sort of like <laughs> condense it into a single story. And I guess this would this would really be like the nut of the story is that that spawns a wife guy, and then so after she dies, um, they bring Cyan back in, who's the daughter. So she right. she like remember when uh, Spawn's face is split and he has the shoelace holding it together. It, yeah, crazy. He gives that shoelace to Cyan as a kid, and it has what? it has sort of like spawn. <laughs> that doesn't sound hygienic. Yeah, well, it has like spawn powers with it, and she ends up having this like precognition or something, and she always has this interesting relationship with Spawn, even though she's not um, his kid. And right, and then I, famously, yeah. So she disappears for a while. She cheated too. on him, but <laughs> Spawn kind yeah, of yeah. takes place. Um, roughly in real time i mean it doesn't really kind of make sense because like wanda is not depicted as being as old as she would be but cyan is is essentially i don't know 16 or 18 or something and so she comes back for like a major uh arc in like i want to say like the 280s or 270s where she ends up getting developing some kind of powers and then uh todd names her black mirror which is this is a few years ago so the black mirror tv show is out and it's already out. <laughs> he just loves lawsuits 
he named her Black Mirror. He named her brother Westworld, and then he named <laughs> <laughs> named the main villain Michael Jordan. Yeah. So, so she has like powers and is is tight with Spawn and stuff, and that's still going. But then she kind of drops out, and she's just been gone since then. And then you know you head towards these events in three hundred, which are sort of cataclysmic and like reset the status quo. But like a lot of Spawn for. I don't know how however long it's been out now. I mean, almost almost thirty years, I guess, right? Like next year will be thirty years. Um, yeah, that's cr- so. It, it's like Spawn is always kind of uh, maneuvering against these dark forces and playing this game of cat and mouse with heaven and hell, and then it's all leading. You know, his, he's always like talking about the plan that he has, and it's all sort of vague, and, and then it like something big happens and it leads into the next thing and then there's like oh they got wanda's soul and like why are there like are are there like diehard spawn fans who are like speculating where the series will go or do just spawn readers know that it's just whatever todd feels like doing if you're reading the book this long as i have you have to understand from the writing uh that this is you know this is a true serialized story that doesn't seem like it's plotted out super far in advance. I mean, he, he'll have this like new status quo where it's like, well, now Spawn's got to go to hell and get Wanda's soul. But you know, the overarching like mythos that develops of like, he's the soldier from hell and he has this uh, suit and it's a, a living thing. And then he's part of a lineage of other spawns. And then, He's, you know, at some point in time, it's like he was supposed to be the leader of this Armageddon war between heaven and hell. But then eventually all this stuff kind of gets gets resolved. He, you know, defeats Melbolgia. He's sort of free from hell. And then, you know, Todd kind of keeps creating new reasons, um, you know. For him to be miserable. For, yeah, yeah. But it's all, um, you know, it's all, it's all sort of playing in the same sandbox. Like there's, you know, there's still uh overt kill and the freak and Sigor and he did the he departed from all that for a while with this white spawn which we haven't talked about you know spawn right. is at the time the more a, you say it the more racist it sounds well whatever so, white spawn is well, we have worried. the white guy and then we had to supplant him with the white guy well it's it's really it's strange because all right spawn is black which at the time well, we'll we'll get into that in a second because let's oh, yeah, finish the issue we're, we're but... close to finishing the issue all right yeah. yeah let's let's finish the issue then we'll get overall thoughts and then we'll do a little bit of like what comes next is that cool yeah no i'll i'll uh i'll keep all my my spawn um keep keep your spawn as a black guy because i want to talk about that i want to talk about that a little bit more than like but i want to finish this yeah, and yeah, get yeah. our thoughts out okay so spawn <laughs> So Spawn is uh, sulking. He's in the garbage. He's in a full wife guy spiral, sh- shedding single tears like a G, thug <laughs> tears. Um, and then for some reason, digs through the garbage. I don't know why, but um, yeah. just yeah. wanted to point out how good Sp- Tom McFarlane is at drawing trash. Um, it's like him and then like Jim Lee were like two of the best trash drawers at Image at the time, for they, sure. They really give alleyways the, 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 the premium treatment. Then we have two images. Then we have two panels of Sam and Twitch that I thought were very sort of like relevant because they talk about um, 
Twitch is concerned that he's not a government operative. Like, like you said, like image universe is filled with so many like CIA, like agencies, you know, like there's like a thousands of covert operations just kind of all working against each just other at the same time. Acronyms versus acronyms. Yeah. And he says, if it's a young, if it's a young blood, the job of the police is to just like kind of sit idly by and watch him mutilate people <laughs> like, you know, spawn or what we learn is the violator. Like if it's, if it's him, if it's like a young blood guy, then we're supposed to allow him to like just rip people's hearts out and throw them out of buildings. Yeah, like. If, but if it's, it's like travels. literally anybody else, and he starts killing the average Joe, then it's like a problem for them. And uh, it's interesting because you know the implication is that um, we've only seen sort of, uh, him defend like the defenseless p- spawn. We've only seen him defend defend defenseless people. And the cops kind of know that. Yeah, they're they're kind of cheering him on a little bit in terms of like the 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 spree. Yeah. Well, they don't they don't know they don't know who um they don't know who committed these crimes yet. So they don't know that it's not Spawn. And you know, we're going to find out it's not, but the fact that like Todd also recognizes that the cops are inherently corrupt and just sort of like at the behest of capital and the government, which is also at the behest of capital, is an interesting, like, quick critique of police, which I know is, like, not unique because everybody was doing, like, crooked cops or whatever. Yeah. But I like that. I always like when I see it. <laughs> so yeah. I wanted to point it out. Yeah, you need to point out whenever you see, like, a dirty cop. He's like, ah, they know. They know. You know, all, yeah. all these books. Not, in a dir- not dirty in a cool way. Dirty in, like, a gross way. Like, Sam is disgusting. He's just like a chain smoker who like can't dress himself. And then Sam is weak or Twitch is weak, you know? And he, even if he knows what's right, he wouldn't say it either, either way. This is just like us. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then we see that it's like at nine, 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 five. Yeah. His power meter went down. Now that we know that his power time, his power glass, hourglass, power glass, his first act with his first, the first use of his power was uh anti-rape action yeah the, it that's, was that's was beautiful. the thing with his finger the little yeah b- boom thing was that five points that that's five that was a that was a five point move he wasted that to just break that dude's glasses yeah so anyways then we get to um this is like the, the viol- oh no this isn't the violator this is the other guy what's this guy's Mayor name Bolgia. Mayor Bologna. Mayor Bologna? yeah 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 sorry i, I can never pronounce that name yeah, no one can. It's it's. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's like the violator, but he's got hair and he's bigger. He's got a belly. So, and then it says the next issue is the violator. I want. So it. then we, mm-hmm. that's where we get clown. That's mm-hmm. where we get the big clown that everybody knows. So, anyways, that was the first issue. And well, like I said, when I first read it, I felt like kind of unsubstantial. But upon talking about it, a lot happens. So that was you know good good job, Todd. You killed it. Excellent. Final thoughts. I want to get the wrap-up thoughts from everybody. Yes. Uh, Matt? Great wife guy. I like, you know, Todd could have gone crazy with cramming um, concepts into this, but, and he kind of does, but I mean, it's it's just about, it's focused on him being uh, a wife guy, and, you know, it's like, it lets you know that demon, like, battling with demons and shit is coming later. Like, he just had to, like, um, he just had to fuck up four dudes in an alley because Image had a, has a quota with, like, yeah, he was just passing by that. Like, that yeah. He was on his way to his wife, and he just <laughs> coincidentally stumbled upon I think it's kind of interesting that in the movie he doesn't do that. He, like, helps a little kid over and over. 
Oh, I, th I think it's, you were talking about the, the, the critique of the cops. I mean, I don't think that, you know, Todd is putting deep political thought into that, but it's interesting to see all this stuff of like, how, talking about how many deep, uh, deep state ops are happening in the background of this world and just like how cynical and crazy that this world is of like, like it's so intensely corrupt. There's just like, you know, all the heroes can just be like walking down the street and encounter like women being raped in alleyways. And everyone is background is like straight up murdering people in other countries for the U.S. government. It's like, almost as if the, right. the corruption and the and the violence is depoliticized. Like it's just accepted as the world. Well, I think I think it is. I think it's like the bat. You know, these guys are pulling from from. You know, they grew up in the '80s. Like they're reading *Dark Knight Returns* and hearing about like Iran Contra and watching *Death Wish* movies, right? Like they're just like that's the yeah. ambient culture around them is like street gangs, uh, mm -hmm. government contras, corruption. That I don't know if that they have anything in particular to say about it, but that's just like that's just like the ambient energy in pop culture at the moment. Right. Well, one of the one of the things I, we talked about before is like it doesn't really matter if you're tending to say anything about it. Like, if that's just what you're saying, you know, it is what it is. Like, there's a there's a book that we've talked about a few times called uh, How to Read Walt Disney, where it was a it was like these Chilean socialists who were getting all these uh, comic books from America that they just felt like were um, capitalist like socialist bullshit, <laughs> and in fairness to Carl Banks who wrote and drew the comics, like it was, Oh, sorry. It was how to read Donald duck specifically. Cause it was about the Donald duck comics that Carl Banks drew and how they were all like colonial capitalist bullshit. And, uh, you know, he was talking about the system that he was under as a cartoonist, but they were like, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. He's part of the, that, you know, like he, he's just writing about being a capitalist and as, you know, mm -hmm in 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 part of the imperialist culture so that, that's just something that like it doesn't really matter if todd had those critiques like what he's writing about because he does understand the world that he lives in that's what's going to come out right yeah yeah sorry go ahead daniel final thoughts were you done matter yeah for the moment <laughs> um yeah yeah we'll get back into it but uh, i have two i don't know if they're thoughts just things that i wanted to like bring up out of yeah. all of the image creations, Spawn was the one that got the movie. Yeah. Why? Like, I, I, what, what well, is? Well, the other it? one's uh, got like cartoons, video games. Yeah, toys. but but the movie's like, different. I feel like the movie cements itself. Nobody like in wow. in public consciousness, you're not gonna yeah. get people talking about like the Wildcats cartoon. All right. No, that's you fair. know why? It, yeah. It happened for the same reason we were talking about earlier, man. Somebody in probably an image meeting said. Mm -hmm said uh todd you're not gonna get the spawn movie made you're not gonna make a movie <laughs> i mean and it was also it's also of them, as insane as that movie was it's also probably the easiest of them to make because there's one guy yeah it's one guy and also uh in terms of what we were talking about themes and inspirations spawn is much more in line with something like the crow or robocop or like, yeah right there's oh. there's these things where there's a precedent to the concept that made the the possibility of spawn a lot more like palatable also to, yeah. i mean studios yeah like the one character with one motivation thing very simple story like he was betrayed he's yeah. back from the dead there's cool looking shit i mean think about 
the early image books, I mean, they were, they were incoherent. I mean, I love complicated as fuck. I loved them. I loved them. But like the wildcats, I mean, I loved wildcats, but like they're, they're half aliens and they're involved in a war with (laughs) other aliens. All of them are basically humanoid with like crazy crazy mutant powers. And they just had to invent this backstory. You know, it's like, yeah, the aliens are angels and demons. Cyber Force Youngblood the same. It's just complicated group dynamics with plots that don't matter. One thing I love and about Savage Dragon is just like Savage Dragon is is a goof. You know, like that's a cartoon. You'd look at that, you think that's a cartoon. That's not mm-hmm. a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cyber and, Force and is the, crazy. The, the movie sticks even with people who have not seen a single other thing of Spawn uh, the rest of their lives. I would love to live in the alternate timeline, though, where Savage Dragon was made into a movie with, like, Sylvester Stallone as the Savage oh, Dragon. Oh, shit. That, that would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, you know that's I mean? an amazing movie. Like, the alternate timeline when that happened and yeah. we just, like, everybody acknowledges that that was a movie that Sylvester Stallone made. Yeah, that... That, I feel like that one could have happened. Like, when Stallone was doing... Like, <laughs> yeah. in the in the Demolition Man Judge Dredd years. It's like a diehard-type yeah. character. Yeah. Yeah, it's like just like mid to late nineties. That it could have been a low budget thing. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. My 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 one other thought is I would have loved to like I've been I've been watching Sopranos for the first time. Of course. And Tony's monologuing and, 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 and therapy sessions just make me want to see Todd in those scenarios. <laughs> like Todd you giving HBO his therapist just Todd. his first issue. Yeah. And the therapist clearly like seeing right through every single like projection of like yeah. his id, like just completely Freudianly analyzing ev- everything in, in the issue. And I, I would just, I would love to see Todd being like, no, yeah, I mean he's my best friend, and I just put him in the comic. It's no, it's like no big deal. Well, I have yeah. I have a total analysis of like Spawn itself and the entire the entire history of the plot is not not about the wife stuff, but is about todd's mentality toward um is this your like unified theory of spawn yeah 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 this is my unified theory of spawn after reading it for almost 30 years is i guess i guess it takes some setup so you got a minute (laughs) oh well let me do i'll do my wrap up and then you can do your unified theory because i definitely want to hear it here's my wrap up to me this issue was a muse on powerlessness specifically of like gen x uh, the Gen X uh, sort of audience that would have read this because we meet a man whose life and dreams have been taken from him. He's haunted by the love of a woman who's with another man who he could have never given a child with that, you know, we learn he's tormented by having to stalk her. Like so many Gen Xers looking at people they flirted with in high school on Facebook, his government and his, his own God have used him as a pawn and betrayed him. And the only way he can conceptualize redemption or solace is by just committing more and more elaborate, gruesome acts of violence, which perpetuates the cycle that he's desperately trying to get out of and worsens the world that he's trying to make for the people that he loves so much. It's sympathetic to the, to the same impotent rage as like Nirvana and grunge music, but it's ironically made by a guy who literally cannot find, I literally could not find a vulnerable interview about except for a court hearing. (laughs) Um, The dichotomy of a guy who finally sees control of his own creative and financial power only to, only to write endlessly about what it's like to be weak is fascinating to me. And probably that dichotomy is the driving force that made him 
uh, make 350 issues of Spawn. <laughs> I want to go back to the swastika that was carved in the desk that I talked about Will Eisner mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, because the same kid that carves that desk, uh, that carves that swastika into the desk, doesn't understand the power of that symbol the same way Todd kind of doesn't understand maybe the power a lot of the stuff that he's writing about and like the handful of spawn issues that i read maybe i don't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but but the violence that it rep it, he does that same kid doesn't understand about the violence that it represents or the wars that were fought um the same way that todd dedicates this book to kirby in the beginning like i mentioned but he doesn't really understand the wars that that kirby fought and doesn't understand the violence that kirby had or mm-hmm. even like the creator rights that Kirby worked under in like the thirties and the forties and the fifties, like by the time he came around, Neil, Neil Adams had already done a lot of the work of creating better, a better atmosphere for, for comic book artists. But all these guys are, are growing up in a world where at that point, like we hadn't gone to war again, seriously. You know what I mean? This was post Vietnam and they grew up in like the seventies and eighties. And like you said, like they start seeing the Contra stuff and they start seeing the world become a darker place, but they don't have any stake in it because you know, it's not a, it's a volunteer army. It's yeah. not, there's no draft. There's no real danger for these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, Grant Morrison talks about it in his book where like spawn was created for kids that didn't understand what real danger was. And yes. that's, that's, that also like just sticks with me because again, this is a comic book that has like the rape and like a bombed out building yeah. by a guy who could never conceptualize what it's like to be in that, in that place, in that time. And, but they're so- searching, they're searching for danger. They're searching for a reason to be mad because they don't understand anything else. I, I, so, I um, wanted to like in- rudely interrupt all a second. That- no, don't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm on my last sentence. Okay. 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 Do it. So, so, you know, all he all he does understand is powerlessness. He understands the rage of being a pawn because that's what he was at Marvel and DC and in the comic industry for so long. And this is just his expression of that. Yeah, I think that's that's good, and that's um, that is part of like where I was heading with my uh, my unified theory of Spawn. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, to, sorry to. No, 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 no. That's good. No, I I just wanted to say like this is. Uh, adding to the, uh, like, the swastika analogy and not understanding the power of that symbol, like, I wanted to, like, uh, point out that Violator, just having a character named Violator as as something that he just simply understands as, like, that would be badass. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas that word has some very deep connotations, some very violent connotations like in spanish that literally just means rapist well i'm here to like, tell you that the treatment of women throughout the uh run of spawn is is not handled with uh much delicacy uh and, and this might add to it. anyway that's all but... i wanted to say uh <laughs> yeah. um so now now that we've gone over our last thing now we can talk more about like sort of the bigger things one of the things i want to note is that there's an amazing part in the next couple issues since we're not going to talk about them in depth um there's a great thing where spawn uses his powers to get regular skin so that he can visit his wife yes. the third issue by the way absolute banger uh it's pure it's the pure hell simp 
energy. His yeah. Hellsimp levels go like halfway down because he simps so hard. The weird thing <laughs> is in that issue, in that issue, he um, doesn't, well, no, no, it's not that, is it, does, is it that issue that he changes into a white guy? Yes. Okay, so, <laughs> so he uses his powers to become a regular human. And the devil fucked with him by giving him white flesh with blonde hair. He basically describes like he turned him into Rob Liefeld, and he's like, "I hate this." So, so here's here's something crazy. This is how like Todd has has spun his wheels on this series for so long. He has reiterated the character so many times, like with all these status quo changes. The biggest one is, you know, again part of Al Simmons sort of non-stop chess game against heaven and hell in which the end game is is sort of never revealed but the this i think this is actually called end game but you know spawn is always sort of monologuing about how he's getting his enemies to do exactly what he wants to do and they're playing right into his like long-term uh plans and so he he blows his own head off with his power right and this awesome yeah i remember that from wizard magazine so this creates some kind of uh well this is an issue like 185 it's or two yeah 185 yeah so i just remember from like a wizard magazine where it's like the craziest moments of spawn so he then um you know it's it's implied that like he's doing this on purpose and it's he's throwing the game into chaos and one of the things that happens is this guy whose name oh my god why do i forget his name he's in the uh He's in the book, the white, the white spawn. I was just about to say Terry Fitzgerald, but that's not his name because that's uh, Spawn's friend. Regardless, uh, the name will come to me. But there's a, a white guy becomes Spawn for like five years, and he is a uh, he's a human who is alive. In other words, not not uh, resurrected like Spawn was. And you know okay. why he becomes Spawn is uh, to this day a, a little, still a little unclear. But he kind of goes through the same motions as Spawn of like, why is this happening? Who are these actors? You know, in the shadows working against me, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it that white guy is the white guy that Spawn turned into in issue three. <gasps> what? Yeah, and it's like uh, it's like uh, when what's his name. Uh... In Wonder Woman eighty four, when Chris Pine <laughs> took over that guy's body, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> that guy was someone. That guy was a guy who Wonder Woman would eventually yeah. fuck. And he is, uh, and and then you know Spawn comes back and all this, and but that that guy, the White Spawn, is still in the series, and he has powers, and he's sort of like on Spawn's side, and there's all these different characters with powers now, like there's she uh, she Spawn Jessica Priest who was retconned to have kill, killed Spawn. Originally, it was Chapel. Then... she She's the one who does it in the in the movie. Right. And I think... I want to say it was retconned in the comic as well, but then it was... It must have been changed out at some point. I forget the details, because now she is allied with Spawn, and she's she-Spawn. And there's, like... Oh, there's all sorts of Spawns now. I, th- I think, like, Todd didn't want to embrace uh, that for a while. He had... You know, he'd have, like, a an issue every 50 issues where it'd be like oh here's samurai spawn it's just like cool as shit green spawn turned core but he didn't you know he resisted the pressure to do essentially what all superhero franchises have done like spider-man and iron man and everybody which is just like in hulk where it's just like okay there's like a whole family of these characters now there's like five hulks there's five iron mans there's there's seventeen thousand spider uh 
people. And it feels like Gwen Stacy spawn. It would be Guan. Yeah. So so that's kind of where spawn is at right now. Is there's there's a ton of uh, there's a ton of spawns, and they're again they're they're taking part in the 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 ongoing uh, chess game that Al Simmons is involved in. The contours of which are um, you know constantly changing and yeah, being McFarlane revealed. Playing like twelve D chess. But I think you know to 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 get into my unified theory. Well, yes. first I want to say like why I'm uh, why I'm reading Spawn for 20, thirty years, which is, you know, I loved it during this era when we're talk we're talking about and just read it voraciously, and then in college I was getting out of comics a little bit, definitely getting out of monthly comics, and I remember when Why the Last Man ended, I was like, I'm tapping out of comics, like I'm not not buying anything monthly anymore. I'm not really that into uh, where things are at, but I was still reading Spawn, and I just was like, "Nah, I want to, I want to keep reading Spawn." Like I've read it this long, and I want to just like, I want to <laughs> yeah. keep going. And I knew by that at that point in time, even that was probably, I don't know when Why the Last Band ended, two thousand three. It was like Todd was not going to quit doing Spawn. I mean, he wasn't drawing it anymore, but it it, it was like Spawn is gonna go maybe until I'm, I'm 50 or 60 or 70. And I was like, I just want to do it. Like, when do you get the opportunity yeah. to start a comic at issue one and read it in real time monthly f- over the course of your entire life? I was like, well, I'm never going to get that opportunity again. So I'm just going to keep reading Spawn. Right, you've been reading that since you were 12. So I'm like, I'm, <laughs> like, so I'm like you can't be 12 yeah. again and you can't live <laughs> as long as you So I'm like, I'm going to read Spawn forever and see... What happens? What happens? <laughs> and just That's hope awesome. That there's something there at the end. <laughs> you know, so I mean, we're already a while into this. I could I could talk forever about you know all the plot points and the different eras of Spawn, and any Spawn reader will tell you, at at bare minimum, it could be described as having you know ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you think is an up and down depends on what you're what you're into Spawn for. Yeah, like it's the journey. Yeah, well, you know, at some points there are payoffs, and you're like, finally, they're do- you know they're doing something with this character, or they're doing something with this concept that was introduced, you know, eighty issues ago. But um, there's David, I think it's uh, David Hine, and uh, on writing, and Brian uh, Hooligan or Brian Haberlin. There's like a bunch of different Brians who have re- worked on Spawn, but they did a run in like the one eighties. I like that. I thought or yeah, 180s. I like that. Um, the the white spawn years, are, I think, are sort of universally not beloved, and uh, you know, it. But it's it's about the journey. It's not about like what whether it's a great comic because it's not. It's it's just uh, like I said earlier. You know, it's there's no pretension about it. Todd is still doing this basically the same thing, and that goes to you know my unified theory of spawn and sort of building on what ramon was saying which is that spawn is engaged in this like constant battle between heaven and hell and all these dark forces and and you know it's really like it's todd's attitude like that's his attitude towards marvel and dc heaven and hell are the big two and Mm. he's just like constantly fueled by his haters and uh, (laughs) people telling him he can't do shit so 
I don't know if Todd if Todd realizes it at all, but that attitude comes across in, in Spawn all the time because, like you were saying, you can't really find a an, an interview with him where he's talking about, you know, the what he's trying to accomplish or these themes or anything. I mean, he's still if you interview him, I mean, he's talking about beef he had with Marvel in 1992. <laughs> right, like exactly. nothing can squash that, right? It's either the beef he had or the success he's had despite yeah. the people that wronged him. Yeah. He's got the kind it's of attitude insane. that he could run for president. Yeah. Because it is kind of funny if you, you know, reading this forever about how sort of meandering um, plot points get at times where it's just like, man, he is just involved in this 11,000 dimensional chess game that, you know, con- continues to gain complexity. And then there'll be like, it'll build up to something. There'll be like an Armageddon arc, right? And uh, almost that was the biggest thing where like the whole it was like Armageddon, everything was destroyed, but then it was sort of reset because Spawn gained these like godlike powers. And he was like, that's it. Like heaven and hell are closed from Earth and I'm the protectors. But then there's like, you know, these gateways and angels and demons doing their shit. And then he's like back in a, back in a, a battle with them uh, that he's constantly talking about to the reader in his head. So I think Todd's I think Todd's you know working out working out his issues with Marvel and DC on on paper still, but they'll do there'll be moments of where it is. Well, I think it's like bigger than that. I think by this point, it's just society in general. Yeah, because it's not like it's it's the people, it's it's the people in in business that have done him wrong. You know what I mean? Like you know how you know how stoked he must be that like DC Direct is gone and now he has. Now they have to like, come to him to make their toys. Yeah. <laughs> like that must be such a fucking like ah, got him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um. There. There's this. There's this quote again from the sci-fi document documentary about him where he says, "Like I want to be just like my dad, except I'm gonna fight back. I'm not gonna get pushed around." And it it really does sort of like sum up this. Uh, that's, uh, initial catalyst of him seeing his his dad like bossed around or like bullied. That's Al Simmons, man. Il, Al Simmons was told, just like Todd, that he had to be a soldier in hell, i.e., a highly paid uh, Spider-Man artist, and and he had to take his marching orders from you know Mel Bolgia, and he's just gonna spend the rest of his life not doing that. Mar Marvolgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there are like I want to say some good things about Spawn, I guess, because I do, you know, I've I've kind of had a. Uh... I mean, I feel like we've been complimenting this book in our. Yeah, I feel like we said he killed it. He crushed. Yeah, it. Yeah, I guess I'm just saying uh, I'm not like you know I'm saying Todd's working out. Yeah, all no, his there, there's definitely whatever, but... a space for praise if you if you have more. Uh, yeah. just that there are like the the cool thing about Spawn in my view is like is not really the main thing about it, which is this is sort of like darkness and and uh you know spawn agonizing about his enemies and all this but there's like first of all all the characters are like just designed at the highest level like they're so fucking cool and but there's like really weird shit throughout it uh, that i think is cool about like how he depicts heaven and hell and how there are all these like there's some issues get into it and it's like oh hell is or heaven right it's just like this completely cynical rendition of, of heaven where you know there there is they're as bad as hell is and there's like he he can't do the angel hunters anymore because that was the lawsuit but whenever really whenever he depicts heaven and hell i think it's 
it, like how these places function is actually something that I wish was explored way more in the comic. And like, that's, that's what I would want to show in a spawn comic, or I, I hope to see in my, uh, in the, in the run with Ramon, which is, <laughs> and when we can continue, you know, we'll continue with the theme that it's, uh, it's actually about the big two as well. And it's just like this psychodrama about, um, creative freedom. Yeah. Well, that's the, uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting about how Todd is like sort of used spawn to get all that shit out is like he, uh, sorry, I got, I got a little distracted. Um, I want to, I want to actually change the topic a little bit, um, about something that you mentioned about how he's like specifically like a black character. Yeah. Because that's something that it ties into something that we talked about in the last episode when we saw the Puerto Rican, was it Boricuena or whatever the Uh fuck, how it's just like blatantly pandering to a specific audience. And uh, one of the things from that interview that I, uh, it was not really an interview, it was a, this is a motion hearing. Um, I don't know if that's like a magazine or like an actual motion hearing, but um, uh, um, he talks about why he made, spawn a black man he says when i set out when I, when I left marvel to create a character that is african-american but get rid of the one thing that we have a tendency to do when we look at people that aren't the same as us is we make an instant judgment and the reason we don't like people of color is because of the color of their skin so just maybe so i just made the solution to strip the skin off of it oh and get rid of it <laughs> every time in comic history they try to do something that is a minority character they draw attention to it so i wanted to actually do the opposite i wanted to sort of take that piece and make it go away so that Spawn just became this hero regardless of whatever his skin color was. So beside my personal philosophical input, the other part is just, you want to go see your wife? Ha ha ha, I'm the devil, I'm going to trick you, and I'm going to strip your skin off, and even if you go see her, you'll never recognize, <laughs> she'll never recognize you. And I just think that's like such a, a wild mentality, and then when he makes him a white guy who's just like, he hates being white, <laughs> because... <laughs> Not really because of his skin color, because his wife won't recognize him. But like he's so uncomfortable when he's sh- when he's drawn as like the white dude, mm-hmm. and, and like and he's hanging out with this with this black family, and you know everything just like it's just so awkward. But they're like it, it just shows like that he's got, re- I think genuinely good intentions, but he just trips over himself, and I think those are the kind of things he couldn't really explore at Marvel. Like to your point, is like. If he if he were to be like oh I want to make a black character in Spider Man like, oh great we'll make him a black guy who is the most black guy ever and he's just like no I just want to do a guy yeah. who's a black guy and you could have those experiences put into it and I think one of the good things that he did is the reason why he's killed by Chapel and then unkilled by Chapel or someone else is that he was questioning why they were doing the things they were doing yeah. Like he, uh, in one of the issues, it shows him being like, Hey, so why are we like killing these people? And then that's when Jason Wynn was like, gotta cut that guy out. <laughs> like he's, he's going to be a problem. So like, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's interesting where, like you said, like Todd doesn't have really big high minded political ideas, but I think just having like, I, I think a genuinely good spirit about it, it makes the difference. Yeah. I, you know, it's, um, it's interesting because like Spawn is, and especially at the time it comes out, he's like one. He's the biggest black character in comics, except he's 
either masked or uh, completely has his skin roasted off. So you, you kind of can't tell. He also has right. really, you know, nothing too much about him that would that would indicate blackness. I mean, he's not really writing him in a way that is particularly race conscious or, you know, has much to do with it at all. But he has yeah. he has his whole family and Terry is black and uh, of course Cyan. And then I, I like the development of that character because now he's he's come back to her and advanced uh, to, to the point where she has powers, although she's not in the book anymore. He, he needs to bring her back. But I, mm. I, I got ideas for, for Cyan if I ever if I ever got a hold <laughs> of it, because um, Todd, if you listen to this, we love you and take Matt's picture. Yeah. OK. Yeah. You know, yeah, I only charge 100K per issue and I, I won't sue. But no, no, no. He's probably <laughs> after I after I've talked about uh, you know analyzing Todd's mindset. I don't know if uh, if that gets me the gig, but it is like, oh yeah. There's there's so much. It is. It's all in complete praise. We love that mindset here. There's, this well, guy's got so it, many ideas it, it, that he's been he's been throwing in this comic for a long time, and you know, like a lot of them are good, but they're just um, I don't know. Like I said, there's there's super highs and and super lows to this series but like i think it's cool that he made that he made a character black and you know i I, look if we live in a world with with a a lot of diversity in comics then we're trying to get to a place where like people just make characters black for just the reason that some people are black and you don't like there doesn't have to always be uh, something to it but it is kind of like (laughs) Mm -hmm. well just that you know he's had these black characters for for a long time and i don't know that you know he's he's really delved into it. maybe he doesn't feel comfortable doing that and that's not yeah. obviously what he wants to do but spawn's blackness does not really come up a lot but i do want to say one last thought is that he does for much of the series you know at some like a one after 100 he comes back as al simmons with it in his body and at some points you know he's depicted as a corpse again and all this it gets very complicated but for the most part he can almost like transform into his regular body or into spawn or whatever so he is he is al simmons recognizable as a black guy uh for like the last besides besides the five years he was dead like for most of the issues really at this point well my my idea is that every superhero should kind of be like spider-man or spawn where they're in a complete bodysuit and what race they are they could be bald <laughs> like spider-man when i saw spider-man i was like that's a bald character we right? need we need more bold representation you know me and me but that's, and Daniel. The, that's the great thing Less about those designs bald people are that gross. they could be bald under there see look at ramon ramon well, bringing toxicity feel... into the uh daniel i have to ask a question uh-huh. when they cast when they cast clown as a puerto rican who's also a bald man mm-hmm. as clown did you feel like that did you feel seen? Uh, like uh, me and Clown. See, when look, I first saw when I first hair. saw Clown, I had a full head of hair. I had no idea I was ever going to be bald. You didn't know you were going to go that direction. No, so I didn't think direction. about that at all. When you got I a just, bald I character, I Puerto Rican. When you got a bald character and you name him Clown, I mean that is like, you know, it's like you got a woman character and you name her Tits or something. I mean, it's just sort of like, what are we? <laughs> we're like. We're like really being ob- objectifying and and toxic with like anti baldness, which is which runs rampant in our culture. We never talk about right, it. Yeah. Me and Absolutely. me and Daniel 
have a have a chat for you know we have a support, support group we 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 get, us. yeah we hype each other up and like call each other bald kings and shit mm-hmm. i actually have a lot of hair and i actually need a haircut but because of covid yeah, i well, can't congratulations so it's getting on longer that. and longer and more thick and more annoying it's like what do i do with it oh my you're god you're running out of conditioner it's a real big problem <laughs> Yeah, it's just having so much hair. You guys don't understand how hard that is for me. And like, well, know, I got a lot. I'm, people think I'm joking when I'm posting like Jason Statham gifts, but he really is like this. Uh, like, I thought beacon. you were joking. You weren't. R- oh, okay. R- Ramon's talking shit about like being a uh, being real masculine with a lot of hair. But I mean, can you grow a beard? I'm not saying can, masculine. I'm just saying I'm can hairy. you grow a beard? <laughs> I have a beard. Yeah, yeah. Ramon's got like well, it's kind of like go... a. Does it connect? <laughs> Why well, intentionally shave off the chin? Yeah, Ramon's got like the 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 handlebars. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm just fucking. I had you. a beard for a long time, but I I wanted to go Harley race in the middle of quarantine because w- nobody has to see my face. Yeah. No. And and it works really well with the profile picture. It's a whole vibe. Well, see, that time it was taking a long time to grow in the chin hair for my goatee. But I did that for a bit. I did a goatee for a bit because I did a. I was doing a Twitch stream for my friends where I was going to Woodstock 99. So <laughs> so I wanted to do like the 90s goatee, but I was also in the middle of doing a handlebar mustache thing. So it was, it was a lot of conflicting things for my face going on at that moment. You were moment. multitasking with your facial hair? It was it was problematic, but I have but I can grow a full beard. How dare you? I mean, sometimes it's the only thing we got. Like when we see like a, like a like a person with like very beautiful hair, but they don't have a beard, we get to take pleasure in that. Well, that's 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 you know that's toxic. It's of petty. Me too. It's toxic, but we yeah. we take what we can get, or at least I I take what I can get. Uh, or speaking of little things, speaking of petty things, speaking of things that are beneath me, Matt, let's talk about the nib. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How is that going? It's going good. Can I ask you a question? Was it easier during the Trump years because you had so much content? Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> Trump years were great for comedy. Yeah, but yeah. I'm so glad that the Trump years are over. Obviously, there was a lot to uh, to cover, but um, you know, Daniel, who's who who doesn't talk uh, the nib down, is you know scheduled to do some work for us for our. our I wasn't. I wasn't going to say nothing because people are going to be like, oh, that's why he's on. Like, we did, like, a deal. Like, fine, we'll let you on. No, 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 no. That was, yeah, that was. I've actually, unrelated, though, I've actually thought about doing some political cartoons just because now I feel like there's there's been a huge void where before there was all these comic artists that wanted to talk about politics in, like, little comics, and they've all just went away. I don't know what happened to them. So I thought, what if I start filling the gap and I start doing some political cartoons? The only problem is I am not funny mm. and I am not insightful about politics. So Damn. I'm at a, <laughs> I'm at a loss. So I, I'm sorry. I don't think I can contribute to the nib just because I'm like a dumb person. Well, that's all right. You just do what you do best, which is like drawing <laughs> um, like battle axes and like guys fighting uh, <laughs> ogres and shit. Just battle axes with like sneakers on them in the bottom yeah 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 that's, when, that's diminishing of my when, work speaking of which the nib um, oh i was gonna well yeah the nib i should talk about the nib but i also want so to what, talk what about, was daniel doing can you talk about it or no can, well i mean you're the boss matt can can we talk about it <laughs> yeah but i'm just saying that outside of the nib when 
when me and Ramon do the spawn run, he's got, we're going to have like sneakers, but they're going to be like uh, formed out of that, like the, the shit that spawns costumes made out of. So they're going to be like, um, chunky bread. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be dope. But (laughs) you know, what's funny is I've, I've so like, I'm known as like a sneaker because I like drawing them and stuff. I like just drawing boots and footwear. I like drawing all kinds of people's clothing, but I've actually like, uh, just because of like ethical consumption, like, you know, just trying to do that. I've just got like a pair of boots, like leather boots. And I just wear those all the time now. Mm-hmm. And I like, it's, it's funny. Cause I'm just going to keep being known as a shoe guy. Cause I'm going to keep drawing them, but like I've stopped buying them and I've, I don't want to like, you know, are you going to start to feel like a poser when you're, when you're drawing uh, no, six shoes? No. Cause I also draw boots now too. Mm-hmm. Now that I know more about diversifying, <laughs> but but the uh, it's just an interesting thing where like you see it a lot with comics too, where there's like this need for like to just keep getting more of the thing as like a collector's mentality. Mm-hmm. That with with boots you just get them resold, and with shoes you have to buy a new pair of shoes because they're just, they're not made of as good of materials and all this shit. So I've been I've been watching a lot of cobbler videos and I've been just researching about leathers and all this shit. So I bought a, you know a decent pair of boots and I'm just I plan on wearing those for a long time, but yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to be known as a shoe guy and just be like I've rejected that. <laughs> uh, Matt, what's your preferred footwear? Yeah, Matt, what do you wear on your feet? Well, I got I got some boots. I got some just I don't know what I would call what are they like Doc Martin shoes type stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not even wearing too much because uh, I'm at home all day. And then when I go outside, I'm, I live in Canada and it's there's like four feet of snow on the ground. So I got to wear snow boots. So really, most of the time I'm wearing foot, footwear these days is, is uh, anything practical is boots. Yeah. Um, well, so so the yeah, so yeah, I run your, this uh, talk about your work. I run the when the. How how long how long have you been doing that? Like, did you start it? Yeah, yeah, I started it in I started it in 2013, um, and I've been running it, you know, as the the lead editor and and now the publisher for the for the whole time. So we do political cartoons, nonfiction comics, um, journalism, memoir, and you know, as of a couple of years ago, we have a a magazine that comes out every every four months. And, but that's sweet. You know, they're 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 themed. Uh, like we did death, scams, family, and the latest one is the is the pandemic issue. It's got all all stories from the pandemic, from really around the world. And I mentioned that Daniel's doing something um, for the for the drugs issue. Yes, and I'm I'm do practicing you have a for issue it coming up? by taking some. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, but if we if we do a violence issue. I'm gonna hit you up to just like draw like spawn ripping off like people's like <laughs> just, skin. Yeah, just let me be as violent just, as possible. Just front I mean, page like the cover. Like <laughs> you two have seen the stuff I've been doing for this uh for this barbarian comic I'm doing. Like it gets pretty fucked up, yeah. but you know I have to draw this. You know that's. Too, but you know I've I uh no like I I think that's sick. Um, I don't know what the, I just got. Are you allowed to talk about your comic? What you're doing? Like what is it? Not really. Well, not really. Yeah, that would be a bad idea. Yeah. (laughs) I'm working on a barbarian comic for bad idea. That's all I can really say. At some point, at some point, we're gonna have our editor in chief on the show for bad idea, and he's gonna talk about stuff too. 
uh, actually funny is he he uh, read or he he was an editor on Trouble, which is an uh, we did like two episodes ago. And after we finished, I like messaged him like, so I talked about a book that you worked on. Can you tell me more about it? And he gave me like inside shit about did, trouble. Did he, did he hear was, the episode? Uh, he, I think he said he did, but he was, you know, we've been just talking about other stuff since then. But he was like, uh, how, how do you know about trouble? What is, <laughs> why does that matter? Like, who talks about fucking trouble? I'm like, dude, we do. Because that's what we're into. But um, that's, that's, that's sweet about the nibs. Uh print issues man like i just got one from jacobin you know oh, yeah yeah I, no i subscribed and, to jacobin and actually the publisher bosker was pretty helpful to me when i was getting going and gave me a lot of advice about uh print publishing that's awesome i i the, i subscribed to uh jack in it outrageous this is such a disgusting just a toxic thing to say I'm trying to interview sorry, our guest. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm trying to talk about, I mean, <laughs> you know, actually, Daniel, I don't know if, you know, the nib is going to have to denounce you. I can't have you. Like, I, uh... I, I actually, I was thinking about that once I like sent in like some kind of like uh, uh, official paperwork and stuff. Like, is this going to be scrutinized? Or are they going to be canceling me right after tomorrow <laughs> when this comes out? Is this coming out tomorrow, by the way? I don't know. What's well, yeah, probably maybe tomorrow like or Sunday over the weekend. Yeah, it's great. I, yeah, you got. Well, definitely make sure you drop it. I like how you're just like, well, we'll just drop it. Like, you know, at, at 8 p.m. on a Saturday when no one's online. It's fine. The MFers, <laughs> the MFers know. I saw you guys. I saw you guys drop a new hey. a new episode one time at like 11:59 p.m. on a fucking Saturday. <laughs> And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Ramon really drops them whenever. Yeah, you got it. That's... Well, here's the thing. I finish it, and then I'm like, okay, do I want to wait till tomorrow or just put it up now? I'll put it up now and then tweet about it tomorrow. What's that's the fine. If that's yeah, it's going to get some listens at 12.59 a.m. It's just it's chaos. It's going to get one My or two listens. Is, it's just chaos. At you as an editor-in-chief, you could not operate like this. No, see, things got to come out on time. You got to promote promote at like high traffic hours you know what every single I should ask you what the high the traffic hours are. that hourly. might actually increase our listeners well during the pandemic who i mean who even knows because everybody's home everybody's online but still right. people are you know pretending to work <laughs> from nine to five I love, I love that you're like calling us to task on like our posting times <laughs> <laughs> well no this this has to be this is a subject that has to be breached yeah you got i mean i i <laughs> heard that you're uh you're eventually going to be um, shaking your tin cup and asking people to, to put some dollars into this thing to uh, sustain these what? discussions. We already have the Patreon. Oh, you got it up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have a Patreon. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, I guess I guess they got to go um, donate them. <laughs> yeah, no. We talk about, well, if you guys just have to listen to the show, we talk about it. We thank our Patreon listeners all the time. I have, I, well, uh, I haven't heard you mention it once, and I've been on the show for like two and a half yeah. hours. Uh, we do it at the end of the show. It's Why would we show in the middle show. of it? We're talking about Spawn, not you gotta, us. Well, all right. So uh, this is this is great. I love I love you know getting from a from a true editor in chief just talking business, yeah. mm-hmm. talking brass tacks, look, talking how to in, look to increase our brand engagement. You, I love you that. can see where you know I'm 
like Todd's mind resonates with me yeah, and why right. I've been reading Spawn forever because it's like, okay, I like cool shit. I like blood and gore. Matt is also bilingual. I'm a wife guy. I can speak Speaks, I can speak uh, business. business and Canadian. Canadian. And you know Yo, shout out to the Canadian wife guy business bilingualists. Yeah. That's a <laughs> that's a huge and, thing. You know, I'm trying to I'm I'm now that I, I I'm trying to expand my um expand my repertoire in comics i've been doing political cartoons forever and the nib for seven years and you know i got num a number of secret projects that you know some people on this podcast might know about that that hopefully will go somewhere in 2021 i don't, I don't know what you're talking about oh yeah, yeah. i know i know some of them i'm pretty yeah, i got i got no, a couple actually, things i am i got it you know and this is all just sort of like actually i want to ask you if you could put us in touch with someone unrelated but <laughs> yeah yeah that's i mean hit me up but yeah I, we'll talk about that i want show. to um i mean i you know this is this is kind of like moonshot stuff but like if i could you know i'm a, I, the stuff i can't announce is is writing comics writing fictional comics that you know i haven't really done on any sort of scale except for my own political cartoons of course but you know this is me like branching out into work that i've always wanted to do and like like a lot of creators i mean i got i got stuff on my uh you know my bucket list that i'd love to write x-men would be huge and, but like spawn man i mean i've been reading this thing for almost 30 years like i i could write 50 issues of spawn right i don't know that <laughs> i don't know that i get to do that because like it's todd's thing but but like hell yeah, yeah. like i would i would i would write spawn it, it would have to be that it would have to be that like todd um has some sort of like catastrophic betrayal accident and like five years later he finds out that you're working on spawn well you know what it, you know what it is i would love to see you do a violator with ben sears instead of Bart sears. <laughs> yeah that how sick that would, would be, that be well you know what actually i mean that is if i if i do get my uh my writing stuff off the ground i will sort of you know do do pitches and try to do some you know some of these mainstream gigs that i would love to do but like what i I don't know if this is possible, but like what I would love to see Todd do is if is is like what Rob Liefeld did with his creations. Right. With and, Lori. And let people, you know, maybe maybe it's not um, the Spawn book because he, he clearly seems like committed to to doing that himself, at least, you know, not all the time. He has other writers on, but he's had there's a ton of miniseries and I have them all like Spawn Godslayer, Spawn the Dark Ages, all that stuff. And I, I would yeah. love to see him do like more of that stuff, but with sort of, uh, you know, like indie creators or people that are a little outside of like mainstream comics. And just to to, to yeah. bring in that kind of like energy that Rob Liefeld did on Glory and Profit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, actually, uh, for the for our Youngblood episode, we, we're going to have on uh, Sophie Campbell. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, her work's yeah. great. And her. Yeah. But like, th that's the kind of thing where like. You know, you could never imagine Todd doing that. But, yeah, I mean, maybe... Like, Rob is just, like, Rob, I think his... his, Like, we said, like, Todd gets his reader to such a crazy degree. Yeah. But, like, Rob's interests are, like, so much more broad. Yeah, and, and uh, one huge difference is obviously that um, Spawn is ongoing and Rob's life, Rob's characters were not. So, like... Rob, Rob is ongoing. Kind of, yeah, Rob is, Rob, yeah, Rob is Rob ongoing. Is the ongoing. Characters are not. But I think that's why it's like, you know, who who are you selling comics to? You're selling comics to uh, guys like us who grew up reading Spawn number one, right? So now it's like, well, right. you remember Profit? Like, how about reading Profit by Brandon Graham? Like, 
it's like, hell yeah, I'm going to buy that, right? So Todd needs to bring some of that energy to Spawn where it's like, hey, you remember, uh, you know, you remember Violator or you remember Cyan, the girl from Spawn with the shoelace necklace? Like now, now uh, Ramon Villalobos is drawn Spawn written by Matt Bors. Yeah, there was a moment, yeah. there was a moment in those early 2010s where it felt like that's where the image train was going to go, where there was actually going to be like a next generation exploring characters but it was just the rob leefield stuff and uh, too many of the other image guys just didn't let go of what they had i remember like ralph niece did a pitch for young blood and <laughs> like rest in peace ralph niece was uh, like that would have been uh, uh, an incredible book funny story about this whole thing is like so, you know, I, you talk about, you know, sort of revamping these things. I famously mm. was supposed to do Wildcats. The saga. Yeah, yeah. I know, man. <laughs> I was, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, Have you seen those pages? I'll send I've seen you. some pages. I'd love to see any, any and all that you could do. Cause I'm, yeah. you know, I, well, I don't know how you, how you feel about that. Obviously you're probably, probably disappointed. I mean, that was, that was, I was, I was super stoked. There's a whole stoked. podcast episode where he's There's just bummed out about it. I was, I just talked I was about stoked it. for that and your pages looked great and your art looked great. And Wildcats has had, um, I think some, some great runs. It had like, you yeah. know, like the, um, the Sean Casey or the, uh, Joe Casey, Sean Phillips era was like very ahead of its time. And I think, sort of lost in between like you know his early 2000s social media hadn't taken off yet and i don't know if no one was reading it at the time or whatever but it doesn't seem like anybody remembers it that well and i thought that shit was very advanced yeah. like uh you know like post superhero book and did just the art and the and the writing on it was was next level to me because jim lee jim lee knew to let go we had talked about um on our last episode me doing the second issue of the Grant Morrison script for Wildcats too, uh, for a while. Yeah. From the two thousands. Yeah. He incorporates like all the shit that came before it. Um, but, but that was a different story. And this is the other thing I was going to say, which is I talked about on this podcast after, after Wildcats fell through, I had pitched a basically like, okay, like the same way the wild, the same way the X Men guys and stuff, they left their like corporate overlords and we're gonna make their own thing. I actually pitched a book to Oni that was like, okay, listen, Wildcats fucking didn't work, but I have all the reference of like the kind of style I want. I want the sort of storytelling I want to do, the kind of character designs I want. Like, let me just do my own thing. Like, let me do what the fucking image guys yeah. did. <laughs> and let, let the Oni guys are like super posts. down. <laughs> the the. The image guys were to the Oni guys were totally down, but the pandemic hit. And actually, just this morning, uh, James Lucas Jones, the editor at Oni, was like, "I'm sorry, <laughs> like I heard, I heard you talked about it on the podcast because Zach Soto uh, like left a review and was just like, uh, oh, you know, like like the show or whatever.' And I was just like, "Oh, really? You like the show? You fucked me on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're having, like, a very slow conversation with Zach Soto throughout these episodes. Yeah, well, I, I had talked directly to Zach, but I'll let you guys know it's all good. Like, I, I know that because of the pandemic, like, everybody's business got turned, like, yeah. different. But um, that was just a funny, like, update on the Oni Press, uh, Ramon, Villalobos beef, Ramon Villalobos beef. It's not Yeah, they finally stand. gave we're you fine. your rejection letter after well, hearing the episode. <laughs> you know, I want to say, say, Ramon, that you had 
you had a rough go like the last couple of years and you got fucked on some like big projects that were going to be like major for you and you uh like you're still I, i'm anxious to see what you're going to do next like you're going to do the big idea book and then you'll do like something else you'll do like an image book Smart. or oni book or you'll do like <laughs> like you're gonna oh we got there are things in the works i'm not like the thing is it has motivated me to just finally do the things i want yeah. to do and this is part like the bad idea stuff like i i have at least one other th one or two other things i want to do there you know like with with small publishers like that we're just like okay we can you know they've basically said we want you for another book after this yeah that's one. cool and i'm like Her great i love working with them so that you know that works out great for yeah. me they're like very fr they're creatively very free i like the writer i'm working with i like everything so yeah. like you know i i've been very i've been very fortunate i have friends that say like i just kind of fail into better situations <laughs> that's like, good. no it's more like you dodge you dodge bullets into better situations yeah yeah well i fall down and i always land on my feet basically so i'm i've been pretty blessed with that but um yeah I, I, yeah the the but the only thing that i wanted to do was basically like taking all the stuff that i know about image comics and just like yeah just i get to tell my own version of that and um i have like a whole pitch ready and everything so like i'm you know that story may not happen at oni it might like who fucking knows yeah. but like I eventually want to do that, and I like have, I have everything ready to go. You know, it's gonna That's be. That's cool. Set. I got. You know, I've been. You said you're you're feeling real motivated. I mean, I I kind of think I made a decision during the pandemic because things were so bad. I was like, I mean, I'm happy with the work I do. Um, like I I love the nib, and I'm not going anywhere on that. But political cartooning, yeah. I've now been doing for 18 years professionally, I think, and. Yeah, I still man, I still crazy. love it. It's like what I'm known for, but you know, it's kind of a slog and sometimes it's it's a little depressing and I'm you know, I've had I've had an interest in other kinds of comics since I was since I was a kid and I just fell into my lane of like being a political cartoonist, which I had success right. in. But I think I I made a decision, you know, in 2020. I was like, you know, I'm I'm 37. I'm not like at the end of my life or the end of my career or anything, but like I got to I got to pull the trigger yeah. someday on all these ideas I got. You know, I got documents of ideas and shit. So I'm yeah, starting yeah. out with a couple to see if I can um pitch a pitch a, an OGN or a uh, you know, a creator owned series in the next year and then and then after that we'll see. That's awesome. Yeah, I I'm, you know, I like your work on the nib. I like that little stuff you do. Yeah, um, you, you, so I'm excited to see you do. More. Yeah, I'm trying to. You've been, you've been like uh, doing like social commentary, and I, I've always seen it's not like an obsession, but you're definitely like sort of focused on like uh, the post-apocalypse. Yeah, well, you uh, know, that's uh, something that I think I developed to kind of keep myself interested in political cartooning. Um, like visually and creatively sort of um, in the Trump era, you know, things just got so bad on a lot of levels. And, I, you know, I've been sort of, well, like I said, I just, I got this like creative energy to do other kinds of stuff, science fiction, action. And I just started throwing in all my influences into my regular comics so I could have an excuse to draw cooler stuff and do cooler stuff. So there's, you know, time traveling robots Robot arms. Ma mad max stuff i mean that's that's yeah that's really me trying to keep myself um 
entertained creatively because but it works so well yeah. as a commentary yeah i mean and, and, yeah. and i also think like politically i sort of you I, I had to like jump ahead of the world we're living in now and sort of do political cartoons about the, the wasteland because it, it's hard to even exaggerate or satirize like the stuff that's going on now yeah you know you get pretty creative with them like just storytelling wise like i know the last one that you had done it was like the it was like a nine panel grid but it was one shot with people moving around it and it was like funny but also like you know stop uh yeah like from a craft perspective it was more advanced than you know a lot of political cartoons. yeah thanks i mean that's definitely like influenced by um uh you know gasoline alley sundays and even stuff that uh grant morrison and frank wyatley had done in like pax americana although yeah. although that that was not i mean i think they were influenced by gasoline alley too so uh, oh i thought you were gonna say they were influenced by me yeah no but you know like that is me like that was the biggest political cartoon i've done in a while and i'm just i'm 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 just sort of like trying to break out of that box a little more one reason is because i'm no longer constrained by print like i lost all my print clients slowly over the years and i've just been focusing all my energy on the nib and that's the main place my work runs and it's online so time is an issue like it's kind of takes being a lot longer to draw a nine panel than it does a four panel and i got kids and shit to do so mm -hmm. it's it's but i'm I, i'm just kind of like in the mode of doing whatever i want these days and I, i'm my own boss so i got no one telling me i can't draw a nine panel with a complicated uh interconnected background so i'm like fuck yeah, it no, i'm gonna it, do it it felt special though <laughs> yeah you know i'm like yeah. i'm like to to bring it full circle you know it's like todd on issue one of spawn he's just like okay this this page is a nine panel grid this page is a splash page next page uh two page spread you gotta turn the book vertically now next page i'm just doing i'm just like doing whatever i want that was uh the the issue of wildcats that i did do it opens with a nine panel grid and then it goes like sideway uh two-page spread like the the vertical one yeah that's so and hilarious i, I just remember asking the that. editors i was asking the editors like yo can i like do this sideways and they're like um i guess <laughs> like uh like why i'm like because it's sick and they're just like oh wasn't okay, there uh, wasn't there like a dance lot tweet recently where he's literally <laughs> complaining about like turning comics sideways yeah, but he's a yeah, like shut the fuck up, dude. There's he doesn't know about com he doesn't know anything about fucking comics. I don't want to hear about. There's Dan definitely part part of me that is like, okay, a comic should uh, look cohesive, and you know, if you're reading a book, it's a physical product. It sh you shouldn't have to turn it this way and that to read it. But then, you know, like fuck it, it's comics. That's why that's why dudes do yeah. stuff like that. Like Ramon and Todd are just like, I'm a superstar. I don't give a fuck about editors. <laughs> I, I can do what I want. You know what it was <laughs> yeah. for me? Because for so long, I, my mentality about page layouts was do it in a grid. If it's good enough, if the if the stuff inside the grid is good enough, you'll be able to read it. Yeah. Uh, like clear storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like, because I love like Jaime Hernandez. And I thought like, if you could just do that kind of thing, like that kind of cartooning, then you don't need to break panel borders. You don't need to like do all that stuff and i thought you know when things go digital that you're in a good position like you're ready for that because you've you're not leaning on like doing the dumb bullshit that i see in like you know storytelling wise in other comics yeah and then i did wildcats and i was like 
looking at a lot of 90s image comics and I was just even before that I was working on a 90s book like just for fun on my own and I was like just breaking panel borders and doing circular panels and just doing mm-hmm. different things like uh, storytelling wise and I was like this fucking rules <laughs> and then I thought like wait a minute I'm doing this at the service of digital comics which I don't even read and I don't even like as an old school pro and <laughs> so then I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to do this however the fuck I want. I'm going to break panel board. I don't give a fuck anymore. So then it was just now, now I just, I really just do whatever the whimsy takes. Yeah. Me. I mean, I can, I can respect it. Like I am, I'm kind of a grid guy. I mean, definitely in my own work, but like, I like, yeah, me right. too. I like, I mean, Daniel, Daniel is, is strong, strong on grids and panel borders. And... I, I stick to panel borders. If, if you ever see something coming out of a panel border, that was in the script. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Not... <laughs> I still hate inset panel. Like, so many times a writer would put an inset panel on. I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me to highlight a thing. I know how to highlight a thing because I know how to draw an eye to mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah. Uh, I What I was going to say was that uh, I think more books should be like All-Star Batman and Robin have like an eight-page fold-out centerfold <laughs> Bat cave type thing where you literally have to remember, have a table uh, we... where you put the book down and open it up. Do you remember reading uh, the Ultimates and in like the second volume, they did you know Brian Hitch was drawing it and they were whatever fighting like goblins from Asgard or something. <laughs> it was, doesn't even matter, but they did like a twelve-page foldout of everybody fighting. That was that oh, I. I, I might have uh, like uh, blocked it out, but I know I read that book uh, many times, or ma- maybe I might have read it in some kind of digital format where I didn't notice. Yeah, well, I just I definitely rented that from the library, and I do I do not remember having to fold it out, but that does sound crazy I just, as hell. I just want more. Like now that we're now that we're talking about like doing whatever you want and like Spawn Number One just being like Todd Unleashed is. I, w- I want to see more comics go like do that shit. I know that costs money, but like, remember remember the there was like a fold out, like a four page fold out of um, Shadowhawk being. I think it was just like him being a black guy was the reveal because that was like he was also masked. <laughs> He's gonna use four pages on that. I think he did, but I'm like that's awesome because he could, and it was cool as shit. I remember uh, Jim Lee did like because not to be outdone by himself. He did like a Superman thing with Scott Snyder, I think, where it was, uh, I think it was called like Man of Tomorrow, but there is a fold out with that and it goes, it's like 12 pages and it's just Superman flying. <laughs> it's just well, fucking know, massive. Like, amazing. And Dan so Slott doesn't want that in comics. On, oh, well, Dan Slott's a little uh, clown. He doesn't like comics that are taller he than he is. He actually reminds me of clowns <laughs> from <laughs> Like that... That sort of half man thing. Shout out to hey, shout out to Dan Slot. <laughs> My bad, homie. Oh hey, I want to talk about foldouts more because now I realized you know we we have one in the new uh, the new issue of the nib like the it's the what shout out to the, hey. what is the it pandemic stats is like I realized we wanted to do a t- a timeline <laughs> of the uh, of the pandemic and then on the back of it. It's like the wealth, uh, the amount of wealth that billionaires have made uh, during the pandemic. So it's just like one gigantic vertical or horizontal rather graph. And uh, I was like, this would be badass if it was a four page fold out so that you could get the uh, 
like the impact of of how much wealth these yeah, guys took. So big. I'm, <clears throat> yeah, you know, that's just like part of what I'm talking about. Where I, I mean, I publish a magazine, oh, yeah. so I'm like, I, I had to pay more for the foldout, but I was like, you know what? I want this shit to look as cool as it can, and I can, and I can do it, so I'm going to. That rules, man. Well, on that note, you want to start wrapping up? Yeah, I yeah. think I, th- I think it's we, we, we're we're pushing three hours with this episode. Quick, quick thing. Um, well, two quick things. One, we got a new customer review on iTunes, baby. Hey. Another five star review. Laughing Sombrero says, "Great comics podcast. Big fan of the show. Ramon and Daniel's comics conversation are always entertaining. One of my favorite comics podcasts right now. Keep up the good work." What I want to highlight is he said Ramon and Daniel. So he put me first. And I just want to point that out. Like You'd think maybe somebody would think, oh, D comes before R, so I'll go alphabetical. But he said no importance first. So Ramon and then Daniel, which I thought was interesting. That's all. I just want to point that out. How do you feel about that, Daniel? I, I, I'm not affected. My ego doesn't exist that way. And uh, it can be you before me in a way when you're highlighted. I feel like I'm highlighted. You know, I well, but in a much more realistic way, I'm highlighted. Well, yeah, but again, my achievements are a little bit more prominent because I was first. But it, it, it's fine. I like to live in the in the background. I'm I'm, a, I'm subtle. I'm a subtle taste. I'm like a, a tea. Second thing I want to do from now on, if we get them, uh, if you are a comic shop listening to the show, and you want a shout out for your comic shop, DM us. Or we'll set up a email address or whatever. Email us, but you know, Twitter is the easiest way. Every every comic shop should be on Twitter. Um, but we, one of uh, Tony Fleeks, our guest from the Wildcats episode, he was at a comic shop, and the guy there, uh, Kevin from NoHo Collectors Paradise, Collectors Paradise in Northern Hollywood, said that he listens to the show, he loves the show, and I wanted to say that we love Collectors Paradise. We love you back, Kevin. You know, and su- support local comic shops. Uh, we want to start highlighting them every episode. As long as we get them in, we'll say them at the end of the I show. I want to say I want to so, say that this is a no ho podcast, but you're toxic, bro. You're gonna get us fucking canceled. <laughs> I'm talking about this North is... Hollywood. Oh, well, we're not that either. <laughs> you're in I am Puerto in Puerto Rico. Rico, but just we got no ho support. What? Okay. Well, all right. We do have no ho support. That's true. This is a no ho zone mm-hmm. for sure. So anyways, Matt, thank you very much for being on the show. Please, where can they find you? Plug everything that you've got. Tell us about the Eisners. Tell us about the Ignatzes. Tell us about the Pulitzer, potentially. <laughs> well, uh, I don't care about that stuff too much, but I'm, it's, I'm easy well, to I find. because it makes us I'm prestigious. A, it's like I'm your a humble, are our I'm a humble, humble cartoonist. No. Uh, this, this this podcast is like Eisner Adjacent, Ignatz Adjacent. Yeah. I know, I know you guys got lots of respect for uh, awards and who wins them, and you, um, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm easy to find. I mean, the nib.com is where you can read the nib and subscribe to the magazine, and you know I'm online at Matt Boars at every social media platform there is, basically. Thank you very much, Daniel. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Google, uh, Alta Alta Vista, Yahoo Search. Daniel Irizarry. Awesome. And you could find me at Ramon Villalobos on Twitter, but you could listen to, you could follow our show's Twitter account at Flentayo, F L E N T A L 
LLO, whatever the fuck, you know, it's the name of the yeah, fucking it's on podcast. The podcast. But just Flintalo, no mechs, because we don't own that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always a good secondly, reminder, don't tag it. That's like a that's like a porn account or something. We don't do that. We respect women mm-hmm. and their agencies, and we don't, you know, anyways, whatever. We just, we're a family-friendly podcast. Yeah, find us on Twitter. You know, we're for the Check fucking, out our Patreon. Our Patreon at patreon.com slash mexflintayo. We do have that one. And, you know, thank you to all of our wonderful Patreon supporters. We're on the way to getting Daniel that new mic. Just a couple more subscribers. I don't even believe that the mic, the mic is real. That... It, well, you sound good, so I don't. Maybe you're starting to think you don't even need the fucking just, mic. You sound just incredible. Just send me a couple bucks then. Just, just send me twenty bucks someday. We're waiting on the mic first. The mic is more important. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Whichever, whichever comes first. So, thank you very much again, Matt. We really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Thank you very much, Todd, the Todd Father, with us always. I look this down. Has been a I see two footprints. From the Todd. I, I know that the spawn, the Todd Father, is with us. And uh, take it away, hell yeah babies.